warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 404. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it be? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, I'm a leftover, and Jake is not here this week. I don't I can't even remember why he's not here. I don't even remember. I don't even know, <laughs> but we <laughs> we got uh, we got ourselves a couple guests this week. We got uh, Shift and Tristan Brown. Welcome back to the podcast, Tristan. Hey, happy to be back, and I will be taking a lot of piss breaks in honor of Drake. There you go, <laughs> there you go. You let me know if we've gone on too long. I want you to channel channel your inner Jake with, <laughs> with his uh, deluge of piss that is just <laughs> wanting to be set free. Uh, and then we also have June from the Apple to Oranges podcast. Welcome, June. Hi, thanks for having me again. I'm so excited. Oh, oh my gosh! Listen to Jesse Spano over there. I, I say, oh I, I, I say that joke every time someone says they're so excited. It's like I just downed a couple of caffeine pills, so we're we're gonna have fun tonight. Oh my know. god! Don't do drugs, kids. Did you see season two uh, for the Saved by the Bell on uh, on on the cock is coming back uh, in, in about a week or so? Yeah. I haven't. Oh, watched, so. I didn't watch the first season, um, like the re, the reunion one. I don't have Peacock, so mm. it's free. Oh, but not the. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Mm-mm, the not the original. The their original yeah. content isn't free because there's a show on there that uh, one of my friends really likes, the Doctor Death show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alec Baldwin. This is the show he didn't shoot somebody in. Doctor show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's based on it's a true <laughs> crime. Like it's based on a true crime podcast, and I've heard that like, yeah. Joshua Jackson's in it. Yeah, Christian Slater's and, uh, in it. I watched like the first three mm-hmm. episodes and I was told that it's fantastic and I, I should get back to it. It's just all new content coming out every week, June, and I just got to be on the pulse of this shit for the show and I just never get back to I stuff. Know. I know. 
Do you ever revisit shows like when you're you're watching the first episode and like I mean how often do you actually have time? To I, it's back? it's what it's the shows that I love that I'll get back to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like uh, yeah. t- tomorrow is going to be like my catch up on Swagger Day since the new episode of Swagger came out. And I'm, oh, I still need to watch that too. That's isn't that how it's so good, isn't it? Oh God, I knew you would like it. Yeah, I knew you would like it. Yeah, it's a, we, we reviewed it last week, and I gave it the you know it's it's a Tupperware for me. This is like one of the best shows on TV. And it's I, know, the, I love it. Well, it's I mean it takes I, you know I loved Friday Night Lights, which was football. I'm not a football fan, but I fucking love basketball. Mm-hmm. And so you're taking the producers from Friday Night Lights, giving them uh, a story about uh, about basketball. And I am all fucking in. Um, yeah. Oh, we gotta, uh, gotta go over the, uh, contest winners for, uh, the Ida Red that we talked about last week. The old Ida Red. The old Ida. The old, mm-hmm. or Ida Red. That's a potato movie. Uh, <laughs> Jake's Jake's not here, everybody. It's evident. I get it. All right, here we go. It's gonna be a bad one. Uh, first, f- first winner is, uh, Kevin Shanks. You want a digital copy of Ida Red? Next winner is gonna be. Congrats, Kevin. Yay, Kevin. Let's see here. Next winner. Come on. Give me a winner. Joe Stark. Oh, last week's guest, Joe Stark. Rob Forrest, you win the third copy. We've got Janine Daling from last week as well. And final winner is Monica Garola, who wins everything every week. (laughs) You know what I mean? She's like, she's like, like that press your luck contestant that figured out when they should push the button and they would always win. They'd never get a whammy. That is Monica Garola. (laughs) <laughs> only only three people listening got that joke <laughs> and even those three people didn't appreciate it <laughs> she's like the person like i never win raffles but like she's that person like every raffle it's like i'm mine You're yeah like, oh, how come you always win i bet she's one of these extreme coupon ladies as well you know what i mean <laughs> you ever like is it coupon or coupon i'm trying to i'm mixing it up i usually say coupon but i went with coupon this time just to be different I used to say a coupon when I was a kid, but then I graduated to coupon. You graduated. I, think I interchange it. I interchange them. Interchange them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm typically a coupon person. It's not called Q-tip. It's a Q-tip. But these are completely two different things, so I don't know where that logic comes into play. <laughs> There's no logic there, Brian. I don't know why I even brought that into the conversation. <laughs> One time I used a coupon as a Q-tip. Didn't work out so well. Yeah. <laughs> I had to take an emergency trip yeah. to the ear doctor. And the coupon was for 50% off that visit. So it worked out. I just <laughs> I said, pull it out of my, pull it out of my ear, buddy. <laughs> so stupid. I don't know what's going on. Um, Let's see here. Oh, uh, yeah. So those are the winners for Ida Red. Got a new contest this week, and it is for Saint Maud. I actually I saw this movie uh, earlier. 
uh, in the year. I, I think I watched it on Amazon, I believe. And uh, it's from A24 and acclaimed director Rose Glass. St. Maud is a boldly original movie that Esquire calls a mesmerizing horror masterpiece available on Blu-ray and DVD on November 30th. And uh, this is a, a horror movie. Uh, it's uh, Here's the synopsis that I got off the old interwebs. Maud is a reclusive young nurse whose impressionable demeanor causes her to pursue a pious path of Christian devotion after an obscure trauma. Now charged with the hospice care of Amanda, a retired dancer ravaged by cancer, Maud's fervent faith quickly inspires an obsessive conviction that she must save her ward's soul from eternal damnation, whatever the cost. And I've got five free physical copies. I believe they're Blu-rays. If they're not Blu-rays, then they're going to be a DVD. Then welcome back to the, you know, early 2000s, mid 2000s with the DVD. You're going to get a physical copy of St. Maud. Uh, all you need to do is I'm going to send out a tweet on Twitter and a Facebook post. Share that post. Retweet that tweet. Send me a screenshot that you did to Brian at popcultureleftovers.com with the title St. Maud and you'll be entered in next week's contest and you could win a free copy, physical copy of St. Maud. So yes, uh, definitely enter the contest. Great horror movie. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed this one. All right, let's, uh, I don't have anything cute or funny to say this week except for, oh, no, I'm not, I don't know if I want to tell that story. I I had, <laughs> I okay. <laughs> Had a shitty morning. I was already mad. Oh. I was mad waking up. I can't remember what it was. Something happened. I was just kind of pissed off or whatever. Oh, oh, I remember what it was. Bleach. I had a new hoodie I'm wearing and fucking uh uh, uh I have a bathroom cleaner that had bleach in it and I picked it up and the cap flew off and Whoa. and and it got all over my fucking new hoodie. And so my oh, new no. hoodie got bleached. It got ruined. So I'm pissed off what about that. What color is the hoodie? It's gray. And so it turned into like some kind of like weird red on the side yeah. of this hoodie. I can still kind of just wear it as like a, you know, a around the house hoodie. But yeah, it's kind of fucked. And it's a brand new hoodie. I just got it, you know, about a month ago. It's the and worst. It sucks. Anyway, driving on this road and... Uh, there's a car behind me, literally, literally, like, just inches away from my car, riding my ass. I don't like, I hate that. I hate that. There's a car to the right, so, and so this car behind me can't, it's like, it's not like they can fucking, you know, just go in the next lane, and then, they got, they got somewhere to go, somewhere real important to go, so these motherfuckers <laughs> are just riding my ass, and I let it go for a little bit, I'm thinking, there's two things I can do here. I can tap my brakes... Or I can do what I'm about to do. And I gave them the middle finger. <laughs> well, listen, they did back off. But <laughs> when I looked at my rearview mirror, <laughs> it was a guy. And he's fucking taking his fist and, like, punching his other hand. Like, he's going <laughs> to he, – he, and he's, he's motioning me to pull over to the side of the road. And he's pissed. And he's, like, hitting his fucking – fist with his hand and he's motioning me to get off to the side of the road so we stop at a fucking red light and this motherfucker pulls over to the left of me and he's in like the left turning lane and he rolls down his window i'm like fuck it let's hear what this guy has to say 
He rolls down his window. He's like, yell something. But as soon as he starts yelling something, I'm like, stop riding my ass, motherfucker. And then he, and then he drives off, just flies out. So I'm like thinking like, he's going to drive off somewhere. He's going to go off to the right because he apparently wants to fight me in the parking lot or something like this is fucking like, you know, junior high or high school or something. It's three o'clock high and I'm going to get beat up by the bully, Buddy Ravel, when uh, class is over. Anyway, <laughs> people that know three o'clock high will get the Casey Zemesco three o'clock high joke. Everybody else is confused. Yes, and the bully's name was Buddy Ravel. Anyway, this person just flew off, and they just drove away, and that was it. They drove, they drove off. I never saw him again. And I was thinking to myself, man, your heart should really be racing right now. You had somebody threatening to kick your ass, and you really, you really ruined their morning or whatever by giving them the bird. And I was pretty calm about it, and I kind of giggled to myself. It was ridiculous, but I'd had it. it I, they were riding my ass. <laughs> Imagine if I was like your uh, fucking grandmother, and this fucking person was riding their ass. I was just like, "Fuck it!" I, you know, so I gave him the finger. Pissed me off. But I'm impressed I, a couple that he years ago, did that fist pumping yeah. against your palm thing. That's like a cartoonish 80s villain thing oh my god it happened multiple times like i probably looked in the rear uh in the rearview mirror and it probably happened like at least four times that i saw this this punching <laughs> this punching motion like i like i'm gonna knock your block off <laughs> oh, yeah okay bluto all right what were you saying no, at least he didn't like get out of the car like and confront like so a couple years ago like we used to live out kind of the suburbs so it's old rural area and it was driving to work one morning, and there are two cars in front of me. And granted, the, the first car, that person was going like 35 and a 45. So the car right in front of me was like riding that car's ass, right? So like the stop sign, the person in the first car just stops, like puts her car in park, and then like gets out of her car to like yell at the person in front of me. And I was like, dude, it is too early for this drama. I just went around them. And was like, fuck this noise. I got to get to work. But like, she got out of the car and like confronted the woman. And I went, oh, yeah, that's not a good way to start off the day. So funny how, so funny how car culture just really kind of changes our personalities. We're just much yeah. more less likely to take bullshit, you know, when we're in a car. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I don't get like walking rage, right? If someone steps in front of you or something, but like we we get pissed off when something happens <laughs> on the road. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous, it was a ridiculous situation, the whole thing was. But I just, you know, I was just like, they, I let them ride my ass for quite a while, and then I was just like, okay, I've had it. I'm gonna let them know how I feel about it. And then boom. Yeah, I gave them the bird. So. <laughs> Probably not the best idea. You never, you know what I mean? Probably not the best thing for me to do, but I'd had it. I'd had a shitty, my fucking hoodie was ruined. I still smelled like fucking bleach. I was pissed. Oh, I was pissed. I was just glad it happened to my gray hoodie and not my Black Panther hoodie. Cause like I wear that all the time and I love that hoodie. And if it would have fucked up my Black Panther hoodie, then I would have just been, I might have fucking, I might have tapped the brakes then. I might have just had a little, they might have, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, guys, let's jump into the old good pop, bad pop. Yeah. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success: a Tupperware party. All right, not going to be talking about wheel of uh, wheel of time this week. Uh, we're going to be holding on to that for next week. Jake's a big fan of that, so we're going to be talking about wheel of time. Uh, next week, probably a good thing. I watched the wrong thing. Just watched uh, episodes of Wheel of Fortune this week, and so I, I was like, "Oh, this is, <laughs> this is, this is definitely not the same thing." Why was Jake so excited about this? <laughs> it's still the same old Pat Sajak and Vanna White. No, it's not a reboot. <laughs> this ain't a reboot. She's still, they're still spinning letters and shit and R S T L N E. Yeah, I get it. All right, okay. Anyway, um. <clears throat> Something I wanted to talk about came back this week, went off the air eight years ago. Uh, G4 came back this week, and it's been streaming on Twitch and on YouTube, and I think you can also get it through uh, your Comcast Xfinity service if you have their TV streaming, or uh, or Philo. If Anybody out there have Philo? Anybody I using part of it. Philo? The crickets. Don't yeah. Don't know. It's one of these, you know, like YouTube TV... It, there's there's YouTube TV. There's Fubo. And, I've seen Fubo. Or, yeah, and then there's uh, and then there's Philo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not picking up Philo for 25 bucks a month just to watch G4. I'll just. It's nice. You can go to YouTube and you can just type in G4 and the G4 TV, and then you can subscribe to them. And then they've got like all the episodes of the shows and stuff there. So I I did watch the launch night live. And that was a lot of fun. Um, since the show has gone off the air, uh, they had originally had the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest video game controller that was operational. And um, somebody beat them. So they came back and they made an even bigger uh, controller. And it was like a super, like a, oh, it was like a Nintendo Entertainment System controller. And it, this thing was fucking so big. They had to have like four people operate this thing and they were playing Tetris. And, uh, it was a blast. Oh. I, I really had a good time with that. And then Attack of the Show is on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I believe at 6 Central. And, uh, I watched a little bit of the first episode because they're doing it different. But the Thursday Attack of the Show episode, if you're a big fan of the Olivia Munn, Kevin Pereira, they are doing the Thursday show just like they did back, you know, in 2005, 2008, 2012, whenever you were watching. They do it just like they always did. And uh, I watched that. I had – it's so much fun. It It is so much fun. It really – they did Around the Net. Um it's so much fun. I've really been enjoying the G4 relaunch. If you were a fan of G4 and you were like, where did it go? Why did it go away? And what? I miss G4. Don't sleep on this. Make sure you're watching it because it is a lot of fun. They brought back Drunkle Ted and um, some characters that they've had on in the past. Of course, you know, they record this live. It's not, I don't think it's streaming live on YouTube, but I think it is streaming live somewhere. But uh, there are a lot of fuck-ups, and it's a lot of fun to watch, but uh, really been enjoying the return of G4, so I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I've been, I don't know, it takes me back to my, takes me back to my mid-twenties when I started watching G4, and uh, 
I hope they start doing like San Diego Comic Con coverage again. And the studio, the new studio that they have is just fucking amazing. So, and then, you know, I've been a big fan of Kevin Prayer for a long time and he had a podcast for a while and then that went away. And so it's just nice to see him back on TV. Uh, Tristan, you and I watched, uh, AMC Plus this week with a show called Anna. And it's a dystopian story of a ravaged world destroyed by a virus which kills adults but spares children. Set amongst parched fields and mysterious forests, the crumbling hulks of shopping malls and abandoned cities pierced, pierced deserted wide open spaces of an island reclaimed by nature and run by savage communities of survivors, most of whom are children. Anna only has one guide, a book left by her mother with instructions on how to survive. But with each passing day, she discovers the old rules no longer apply and instead must make up new ones as she goes along. And uh, I believe this is a, it's an Italian show it's from Italy. It was originally on the Sky Network. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know where it was originally, but yeah, it's definitely an Italian show. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if it's something that was popular over there and then got transferred over here or what. But. Yeah. Yeah, would yeah. you, would, okay, so we're basically in a world where this, this, and they, and they made it a point, didn't they, Tristan, to say that they, that they, this is all filmed six months before coronavirus? And yeah, so it, there's so, so many eerie similarities to COVID-19. I mean, the fact that there's this virus going around killing adults, but it's not harming the kids. Yeah. Um, and I, I was interested to read that. This show, I think they started filming six months before, and I, I guess they just wanted to make it clear that they're not just piggybacking on the pandemic, and this is, you know, it's just a timely show that they created. It's probably a wise um, decision that they want to distance yeah, themselves. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I mean, it says it like right in the beginning, um, but yeah, like it's a uh, a lot of similarities to COVID, um, and I found that the concept itself is a pretty cool one, and that. You know, you have these kids sort of surviving in this, this um, uh, what's that book? Um, uh, Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies, yeah. You know, where, yeah, where they're all just trying to survive. And, and you see kids and how they build a civilization and how they compete with each other and, and survive. And um, overall, um, I enjoyed the pilot. Like, it's very beautifully shot. Like, it, it looks like an art film, art house film. Like, it's a very well shot film. Our, our pilot and um, very beautiful to look at. I can't say that I got really captivated to, to want to stay on board. Um, but it, you know, it's interesting and, you know, I want to see where it's going, but you know, it's not something I'm like, you know, marking my calendars for. Um, I gave it a middle of the road tasted. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's like, this might be something that I get back to at least for the second episode, yeah. but it might be something that I don't know in the long run, if it's going to be me finishing the season. Cause it is super interesting. You're living in a world where yeah. the adults have all died once. And it's basically, it's like, once you kind of like, uh, hit, did they say it's like the, the hormones when you hit puberty, it starts to slowly kill you and, and, um, so, and yeah, well, they're saying that like you, you are going to die as you get older or something, right? Yeah. You ha like, there's a, yeah. a, a moment in this where there is like an older teenage boy and he's just like on the ground dying. And it's because he's, he's hit yeah. that age where, you know, where you can't, it, but before then you have like no symptoms and you're fine. So like these kids are like forced to like fend for themselves 
And a lot of these kids, like these aren't, they've never been taught like, like survival skills and stuff like that. So like, that's why this girl's mother left her this book of like, you know, don't eat this food bef- after this expiration date and all this stuff. And just, and she's like, these, the, the rules of the world might change because I can't predict what's going to happen in a world that's just got children in it. And the other thing that they pointed out is now there's nobody can get pregnant or have any, like, it's basically everyone's eventually going to die off. There's going to be like one last child that's eventually going to, going to die off and, and, uh, it's like the end of humanity. And uh, there's a scene where a bunch of kids are like in this building and they're, you know, scavenging for food and they're trading and swapping. And then like this group of like, row- like not rowdy kids. <laughs> How would I put this? A group of kids that are there to steal food from them just show up with like sticks and shit where they can just beat kids up and take their stuff. <laughs> And they chase two of the characters that were following Anna and like this, uh, older boy that she met in there, chase them up to the top of this building. And that one kid, there's a really little kid that r- thinks he's running into a room and he fucking just runs down an elevator shaft down to his death. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> it's like a little fucking like five year old kid. Oh God! I'm like, well, well, the kid was there to kill him or beat him up or something. So it was all all these <laughs> little kids going around beating the crap out of each other. It's just, it's an yeah. interesting show. It's just, um, I just, I don't know if it'll be something that I have to like. It doesn't have like the, I don't know, the. If you compare it to like watching, like you know apocalyptic shows if you compare it to like watching like the first episode of the walking dead or why the last man or um trying to there's so many i mean it just doesn't have that kind of hype behind it but it's still good it's still good yeah well there's a show that you you know you had me watch also that has a similar theme that i think is a little bit more engaging (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah we'll talk about that later um but i'll give this a taste it too tristan with maybe like a at least a second episode watch to see where it's going but there's so much shit out there that's so good right now that it's you know and honestly i loved why the last man but i was so fucking pissed off when it got canceled that i haven't watched like i think it was like the final three episodes or whatever i was just like what's the point unless i hear it gets renewed then I'll watch it if somebody else picks it up. But looks like FX on Hulu dropped it. So mm. anyway, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Who got a chance to watch this in the theater this week? I did. I did. Awesome. When a single mother and her two children move to a new town, they soon discover that they have a connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. It's directed by Jason Reitman, who co-wrote the screenplay with Gil Keenan. Uh, the film stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd. Um, it is the sequel to the Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 films, uh, both directed by Reitman's father, uh, Ivan Reitman. And this film's producer. And uh, this is the fourth overall film of the Ghostbusters franchise. Um, and, um, yeah, I've uh, been waiting to see this one for a long time. And uh, yep. I want to know what you guys thought about this. June, what did you think about Ghostbusters Afterlife? 
And oh, first off, are you are you are you a fan of the original two Ghostbusters? Because if you're not, then I don't know how I mean, much I, you're going to enjoy this. I mean, a fan like okay, I will say I think I've only actually seen them once. Like I I was really young. I think I, the first one came out in '84. I was only three at the time. But I remember before I went and saw the second one in theaters, I did watch the first one on video. But it was just something where I mean, I liked them when I was a kid, but I just never went back and rewatched them. But I did watch the cartoon. And I, really so I was going to ask if you watched the cartoon. I really liked the cartoon. Um, you know, and the thing is, I I liked the 2016 Ghostbusters, you know, with Kate McKinnon and Melissa McCarthy. I mean, I like that one fine. Um, and ah. the same with this one. Like, I this was fine. You know, mm. it was fun. Um, I gave it a taste it. Again, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think it was very predictable. Um, but, you know, I and does it really add anything like to the mythology of the franchise? Um, I don't mm-hmm. think it really does, but you know, but you know, again, I thought uh, Grace McKenna, I don't, what else? I don't know what else she's been in, but she was fantastic. I thought she she's was been in a lot of things. Yeah, she has. She's been, she's like the new, like big child she's, actor. She's the new uh, Dakota Benning, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, who was it? Who was the the Sixth Sense kid? And then it was Dakota Fan. Haley jo- Haley Joel. Haley Joel. Well, shit. We can't yeah. even go back further with fucking uh, Macaulay Culkin. Well, Macaulay Culkin. Before Macaulay Culkin, it was uh, what's Jodie Foster. Yeah. You know. Right. So I mean, and so yeah, I mean, she's yeah. McKenna Grace is like the big new child actor that's that's out in Hollywood. And I right thought now. she was like the heart. She was definitely the heart of this movie. Um, I. I thought she, I like, I, I thought she did a really great job, and so, um, you know, it was sweet. It definitely, um, you know, this definitely pulled at the nostalgia strings. So, um, very much so. But you know, again, I thought, you know, it was fun. It was, it was, it was a solid movie. Taste it. Okay, uh, what do you think, Tristan? Oh, okay, so my background, um, I okay, I think the first thing I ever saw was the cartoon in the eighties. And then I went and watched the movie, uh, the first one, 1984 version, over and over again on VHS when I was a kid. Um, then I remember seeing the second one in theaters and loving that one too at the time. Um, I have not seen 2016 version like all the way through just because everyone said it was abysmal. And it's not I just good. Didn't really. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I just didn't want to give it. You know, I didn't want anything to take to taint my image of Ghostbusters. So. I think I saw it on TV once, and I watched maybe ten minutes of it, and that enough. But, but it sounds like a cool concept, right? Because those ladies are all very talented, and yeah. it seems like it would work, right? But for some reason, I guess it just didn't go together that way. Um, so yeah, Ghostbusters. You know, I grew up on it. Um, you know, I was a big fan of the '84 movie and the cartoon. And okay, so this movie definitely has a different tone, right? Like it's not the same kind of tone as, as 1984 Ghostbusters, right? It's the first half of Ghostbusters, I think is like one of like the best comedies ever, you know, like the first half of it, Bill Murray is just so fucking hilarious in that movie. And I rewatched it, um, last week, um, just to kind of get ready for this movie. And it holds up very, very well. And, and I know like a lot of the jokes in the 84 movie, like went over my head when I was a kid. But just super fucking hilarious, you know, revisiting as an adult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that was just like lightning in a bottle, right? Because it seems like a concept that's ridiculous, but it worked. 
you know. And this song, the movie, the Afterlife movie, has a very, very different tone, right? It's not like more like uh, Amblin, right? Like it's more like Spielberg and a little bit um, as far as the, the the overall tone of the movie is concerned. And I was thinking that that was one thing I was kind of missing uh, was that it wasn't. I didn't find it to be that funny, which is a very key component of Ghostbusters. Um, the second half of this movie of Afterlife, or I want to say maybe the third act, that is more in line with the Ghostbusters tone on the, the second half of that movie. It's almost kind of beat for beat in certain, in certain parts of it, right? So, um, yeah, like, I was writing with a taste of it on this movie while I was watching it and I'm a fucking sucker for nostalgia. <laughs> so <laughs> w- w- without giving nothing away, like I almost fucking cried at the very end. I did of this too. Movie. I mean, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. And I, 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 you know what? A little tear came out of the corner of my eye. In any movie that can, because I'm not a guy who cries very easily at movies and if any movie that can bring tears to my eyes, I, I have to recommend it. Like it's, I, I, I'm going to give it a high tasted ultimately because, you know, I just feel that it kind of meanders a little bit in the first half. Like it's just so slow and I don't think, and I think there's some characters in it that were just kind of thrown in so that we can have four Ghostbusters that didn't actually need to be there. Um, and just ultimately, I, 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 I did love the cast, you know, the, the main players, of course. McKenna Grace, I think, is is awesome. I think she really fucking carried this movie. Um, she's she's a talent to be reckoned with. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I want to say um, a high tasted because the last ten minutes of the third act were that was like something that I, I, I did not expect that <laughs> to say that, and that really hit me. Yeah, I grew up with Ghostbusters. I watched the movie. It was like a movie that we would play over at like, you know, birthday parties and sleepovers and shit like that when I was a kid. And then when the second movie came out, I remember seeing that, going to the theater and watching it and still loving Ghostbusters even as a kid with, you know, Ghostbusters 2. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that the, the humor is like it's different because it's got to be when you're when you've got kids versus you know like I'm talking like you know two guys that were like at the height of their comedy careers you know leaving well leaving uh Saturday Night Live and Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost in the first one yeah yeah well I mean the the whole thing with the the key master and the gatekeeper is the key is the dick and the gate is the vagina yeah. I mean right so yeah. there's a lot of like sexual innuendos and, and stuff like that in the first movie. And this is, you know, this has got kids in it and stuff. This movie just plays off of our nostalgia and our member berries and all that shit. And I fucking, it's never going to compare to the original movie, but I fucking loved it. I had so much, awesome. I had so much fun watching this. I love the kid podcast. The yeah. kid, that kid yeah. cracked me the fuck up. Like, and I think that I enjoyed this more than most people in my audience. I, there were many times where I'm laughing at that kid podcast. I felt like they, I felt like Jason Reitman, um, found like, it's like, yeah, you're totally right with the Spielberg thing. It, it, it's, it felt like it was like very Amblin. It felt like he almost said, I'm going to make 
Ghostbusters. I'm going to take J.J. Abrams' Super 8 movie and then Ghostbusters yeah. and, mash, yes. and mash them together. And yeah, I think it's a good yeah comparison with, there. Yeah, With and, a little bit of Stranger Things. With a yes, little bit of Stranger exactly. Things, especially with Finn Wolfhard being in the movie. Um, yeah. I, I loved it and I think it does, I think it does add to the original movie as far as like some of like the lore and stuff like that because they're bringing back Evo Shandor in this movie. I, 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 I mean, that's a big part of the, of, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, that's a big part of the original movie. He's the guy that designed that building that they're at by the end of the movie at 550 Central Park West. He's the designer of that. He made uh, it made it out of the materials, the selenium and the magnesium tungsten alloys and all this shit that fucking is like the what uh, is uh, like an antenna to like the supernatural or whatever. And um, he was also a big part of the Ghostbusters video game. And he's the leader of the mm. cult of Gozer. And so they add a lot of the Evo Shandor stuff in this, which I love. And I think that that really worked here because you have Jason Reitman who grew up while his dad was filming these movies, grew up around the original cast. And I think he gets Ghostbusters. I, I loved it. I had so much fun in this movie. I fucking cried at the end. I thought it was beautiful. I hope, I hope that, and I knew it was coming. I knew that I knew it was coming. Like I just, there was a part that there was like it was early on in the movies when she picks up the thing, you know, the thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I see where this is going. And um, I, so even, but even though I knew it was coming, it's still they they did it, they did a good job with with how they. I was so that. impressed. I was so like, impressed, they did a really um, good job about how they handled it. Mm-hmm. There's this one shot, one particular shot, and and I know you guys know what shot I'm talking about, where it's just like pure nostalgic perfection right it's it's uh it was that was like the money shot that made me like want to freaking grab tissues <laughs> it was mm-hmm. i mean yeah oh, i know exactly what you're talking about and mm-hmm. yeah. um oh my god fucking um uh i don't want to spoil it i don't want to spoil it i just okay, now, so let, it's hard it's all right, a so, hard one to talk i was about. just i was upset that yeah. i was upset that rick moranis would not come back for this though i will say that okay all right, but he retired from acting, though, right? Uh, he came back and he did. He's done some voiceover work, and then I think he did come back and do an episode of that Goldberg's thing. I think, I think he oh, did. Okay. He's at least done a couple appearances and in some interviews. I know he re- he retired from acting because of his children. I think that it's because of this role. I don't think he wants to portray that character again. So I know that – did you know they they originally asked John Candy to play his character in the original Ghostbusters? No. They turned him down. They turned him down because John Candy was like – something about he had to have these certain type of dogs and he wanted to speak in a German accent. And they were like, okay, we got to find somebody else. They <laughs> <laughs> were like, okay, no. Rick is so perfect in that role too. Oh, he's so yeah, good. He was. <sighs> And um, he came. He's coming back for the Honey I Shrunk the Kids movie or something. Yes, right? that's or TV true. Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the yeah. Disney play. Yeah. Yeah, he's coming back for that. Coming yeah. Out of retirement. Um, but yeah, like, um, I, is it a spoiler for us to say who's in it? Because these people are on the media train right now. They're promoting it, so we can. I mean, it's not a spoiler, right? 
Yeah, go ahead. Fuck it. I mean, if you don't want to hear, <laughs> uh, fast forward ahead. Yeah, yeah. So the OGs are there, you know, and you know they're they're on Jimmy Kimmel and and Jimmy Fallon and all that stuff promoting the film. And I think it's because maybe the movie's not tracking as well as they wanted, and they're like, we got to let this this shit out the bag. So like they have them run around on the talk show circuit um, promoting the fact that they are in the film. And I knew they were going to be in the film, but you know I just didn't realize that they were going to capture it in the way that they did. And that was a, a very pleasant surprise. I had a really, really uh, pleasant reaction to that. I'm, um, I abs- of, Oh, go ahead. A lot of the other like nostalgic moments, I felt a little forced. I mean, I, I felt some of them did not have to be there, um, but I get it. I think we so, needed it. I, honestly, after that last movie, and I love that female cast. I think they're all fantastic. I think it's just – I think with – and I love Paul Feig. I just don't like Paul Feig doing a Ghostbusters movie in the style that he did it. It didn't work for me. And but you've got Jason Reitman who I think gets it. And I, I, yeah, I forgot where. And Jason I, Reitman's a different director than his dad too. So yes. I like the fact that he's he's doing his own thing. Yeah. But also trying to trying to pay respects to it. But I I, I did miss. You know, just all the fucking deadpan humor of the first one. Like, that's just such a big part of the movie for me. For me, um, this so movie, the, this yeah. movie did as damn a good a job, almost as damn a good, as damn good a job that The Force Awakens did. Force Awakens. Get, yeah. That, yeah. To get that's, me, yeah, it reminded me of that. Just I think like, we needed kind of it. Rooting it with, yeah. I think we needed well, it. We needed Force Awakens. We needed Force Awakens. We did. We needed Force Awakens, and I think that Ghostbusters fans, if they can, there's going to be some Ghostbusters fans that are just like, I, no. Unless you give me a full movie with the original guys, I'm out. And that could never happen. Because, no. <laughs> because of Harold Ramis yeah. passing away. So right. this is the movie we got. And I think that this is a beautiful love letter to the fans. I thought Paul Rudd was great. I thought Paul Rudd was <laughs> awesome. There's a moment in this movie where I'm like, Paul Rudd is on a date with Proxima Midnight. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. You're right. <laughs> and I love Carrie. Yeah. Carrie Coon is fantastic. And if anyone is ever going to be able to play the Sigourney Weaver kind of role in this, I think Carrie Coon did a really good job. There is there is only one Sigourney Weaver, but uh, I think Carrie Coon did a fantastic job in this. And I, I was happy to see her in this role. Um, yeah. I loved I. Uh, Muncher was fun, uh, kind of not the replacement for Slimer, but as much of a replacement as possible. I thought Muncher was fun. And I really loved the scene of the kids going out there and catching their first ghost. That was so much fun for me. I, I saw this in IMAX and so the sounds were there. And like when that first fucking like, um, ghost that we actually like see on screen shows up. Like I fucking jumped because it was so goddamn loud in that theater. I did. It was like a, <laughs> it was a jump scare for me in a Ghostbusters movie, and I absolutely loved it. But uh, it was just uh, nice. I, I loved hearing those sounds too, man. The, the sounds as well. The That's sounds of like, yeah, the sounds. Like I loved hearing like you know seeing the PK, uh, the PKE meter. I love seeing the Ecto one and hearing the sirens. Um, yeah. uh, I just I loved it. I love seeing the Ghostbusters suits and everything. So 
I, I, I loved this movie and I, I think I will go see it again in the theater. I was looking for it, um, in 3D, but it doesn't look like it's playing in 3D anywhere. But, uh, I want to see it again. Um, yeah. and, and for me, I, I want to see it again just for, cause for me, the movie really kind of picks up when they catch their, their first ghost and you have to wait a bit for that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I wasn't a big fan of the pacing because it, it's kind of, as I mentioned before, it's kind of slow for a, a great majority of the film. And then all of a sudden it just revs up and everything gets resolved, I think, kind of fast. Um, but like overall, like I swear, like the, the second half of the movie is enough to make you want to see it again. The fucking, well, I mean, the fact that it says, and this was a big thing for me, the fact that the movie doesn't even end and it has a moment where it says for Harold on the screen, I fucking mm-hmm. thought that that was beautiful. Oh, yeah. I thought it was beautiful. The movie's not even over yet. It is beautiful. And I thought it was yeah. great. Um, but part of the thing with, like, just the feel of the movie, right, feeling different, I mean, I think it, I think maybe part of that has to do with the location. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. We're, not in, we're not in Manhattan anymore. Like, yeah. we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And, we saved um, a lot of money that way, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. And so, um, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. So you do... I mean, I feel like in those first two, Gus, you know, in Gus Wars 1 and 2, like, the city itself was kind of a character. character. Yeah. And so that was, that actually took a little bit to get used to, like, being, like, knowing I'm seeing Ghost Marshall's movie without the Manhattan sort of vibe, mm-hmm. right? But it, like, Finn Wolfhard, hey, you guys, <laughs> how old, like, is there going to be a time jump in Stranger Things? Because it's, <laughs> no, like because 21. he's supposed to be like 13 years old or something. Like in uh, Stranger 15. Things. Oh, um, Stranger I thought they were still in middle school. They're gonna uh, in Stranger Things. But are they jumping ahead though? As far they as they should, they concerned? probably need to, right? Because they all look, on, Yeah, they all look. But like he especially. This is why I was. This is why I was saying, like, after the first season came out, I was saying they need to film, like, two seasons in a row because these kids are just fucking, like, I don't know what kind of, like, growth hormones they got these fucking kids on. But, my <laughs> God, they're all, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> all these kids look, <laughs> they're, they got mortgages now. It's ridiculous. So. Exactly. So I just remember being, like, Mustaches and mortgages. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, when she was, like, your little mustache making fun of that, I was like, this character's, like, 13 years old in Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, it's like Dustin's dabbling in the stock market by season four. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. That would be hilarious, actually. That yeah. would be amazing if Dustin was like this genius stock. Well, we should be watching their kids by season five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, I love the new Ghostbusters and it's not going to be for everybody. I think that this is going to be, I think for me, like this did what, this did what like the Force Awakens did for me. It also did what Jurassic World did for me. Um, that too. Yeah. That's so, another good one. Yeah. Like I feel that they should have given, um, Finn Wolfhard's character a little bit more to do and, and also his love interest as well because I felt like it's like, okay, we need four Ghostbusters. So here you do this and you do that. Like it, it just felt like uh, I felt like McKenna and, and podcast were the real Ghostbusters on that team. Yeah. Um, and I just hope that they, you know, if they do any more, you know, they kind of give the more of an identity to the other guys. Did you notice that when uh, Paul Rudd was in uh, Walmart, he grabbed the Baskin Robbins ice cream? And if you think back, yeah. to, if you think back to yeah. Ant- Ant-Man, 
Yep. Him working he at Baskin there. Robbins. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that was. You just got that? that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, that is an incredible Easter egg right there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you notice no one was working in that Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there were no that, cus- no other customers and no employees. It sounds that, that basically that, that that actually tracks. I feel like most of the time when I go to Walmart, nobody's working. That's typical. <laughs> That's very typical. Um, let's talk about uh, the Shrink Next Door, which uh, dropped on Apple TV Plus. I think a couple weeks ago was it last week? Um, last week. Yeah, they dropped three episodes. I actually just got done watching the fourth episode here recently. This actually started off as a podcast by Wondery, and it tells the story of Isaac Hirschkopf, a psychiatrist. Is that his name in the show? What's his name? No, yeah, Ike. It is. Ike, Ike Hirschkopf, a psychiatrist who abused his relationship with his patients to exploit them for personal gain. Uh, the podcast was written and hosted by Joe Nakara, and uh, this – this show stars Will Ferrell as Marty Markowitz, uh, Paul Rudd as Ike Hirschkopf, Catherine Hahn is in this. She plays Will Ferrell's sister, Phyllis Shapiro, Casey Wilson from Happy, from Happy Endings. Endings. Yeah, Happy yeah. Endings. And, uh, Cornell Womack. Um, yeah, I, uh, found out that this is actually based on a true story of a psychi- uh, of a psychiatrist manipulating his patient for 30 years. Did you hear about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I listened to the yep. podcast. Um, so, uh, because jo- Jonah Sarah is the, he was a New York Times columnist. I think he, now he's with Bloomberg, which is why he did the Wondery podcast, because Bloomberg does Wondery. Um, he's, he, he, the one who did the podcast, he was, he lives next door to the house that we see, the Hamptons house in the first episode. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what and that's th- how he learned about this story. And that's why he did the podcast. He learned, he met the people and he oh, learned wow. about it. And, yeah. Uh, have you guys covered this on Apple to Oranges yet? No, not yet. We're doing it this week, but um, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm ca- I, yeah, I watched the first four, like or the four episodes that are out now. Yeah, yeah, well, and and uh, I, what are you thinking about this show? Well, you know what? I'm giving it um, I'm going to give it a taste it right now. You know, it's there's I think we're happy for the season. Um, I don't I don't think I'll actually I think my true rating will be when it all wraps up, right? I I am you know I think it's it's a very intriguing story. I think Paul Rudd is great. Will Ferrell is a little hit or miss for me. And honestly, what I think is so glaring, like they make a big deal about it in the first episode. Like Will Ferrell is supposed to be thirty nine years old, and when we first meet him in this show, Will Ferrell is not thirty nine years old, you guys. And I'm just sort of like that's kind of glaringly. I don't know. Obviously, I know Paul Rudd's older too, but you know he sold his soul to the devil many years ago and looks exactly the same as he did in Clueless. So, I mean, he can pass <laughs> off for being younger. Um, I, I think the the way that Isaac Hirschhoff's way to show his manipulation, it, I feel like it's a little inconsistent um, because he kind of blows up one minute, but then is a I, the way after listening to the podcast, it seemed like it wasn't, it was, it was more of the subtle manipulation. And I find those parts a lot more interesting because the thing is a lot of stuff that his care, that, you know, Dr. Ike says though, they make sense, right? You're kind of like, I agree with it. 
And I think Paul Rudd does a good job in those scenes where he's saying stuff that you're like, yeah, that's helpful, that's useful. But the way he's delivering it and the intention behind what he's saying, you know, is sinister. And I think he's and so I think I like those those interactions between the two of them. Um, but yeah, so far right now, you know, I'm at a probably like a mid to high taste it. I, th- I and I haven't listened to the podcast, but from like what you're saying, I I think they've got to play to these actors strengths these you know actor strengths and they got to maybe change up a little bit of the story and how it actually went and how they're going to react to how paul rudd's going to react to different things in the show to make it to make it a a television show and not just an audio podcast so i right. I, I don't have any problems with like the changes that they're making i am I'm hooked on this show, but it is fucking hard to watch because I am cringy. It's very cringy (laughs) because I'm having a really hard time with him taking advantage of Will Ferrell's character. And, um, you know, he's basically, um, uh, very manipulative, narcissist, very manipulative and using basically finding out that Will Ferrell comes from a lot of money and is, is slowly taking over this guy's life. He's, he's pushed Will Ferrell's sister out of his life and she cares about him. And, and this guy's very easy to, to take advantage of. And I, the, the show starts with Will Ferrell and you could tell that he's much older. He's got a beard, but it's gray and his hair is gray. And so much, a lot of time has passed. And I believe that that scene, when we see that scene at the beginning of the episode takes place in 2010, everything we're watching here takes place in the eighties. So this is like over a span of 30 years that this has been going on. And so we see Will Ferrell showing up to this, to this house. Um, I don't want to get into too many specifics of like what's going on here as far as like the house and everything like that. But, um, he does have blood on his hands, so we're like, oh, did he murder him? There's all this, there's these questions that you have, like, you know, did, you know, now that he, he's probably been ripped off, all of his money's gone, he's, you know, he's probably lost everything by this point, he's got blood on his hands, he's digging a grave, he's burying things in the, in the ground and shit like that, so there's a lot of stuff that's happened in the, over the past 30 years, and now they're filling in the gaps by telling us the story. Um, I, I'll give it a high taste it, uh, and this is something that I'm definitely gonna keep watching week to week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hooked. We got some shifting going on there. I'm gonna say it's Tristan. I don't know. So we got some shifting. I was, yeah, that's me, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Um, are you finished? I, I can go if, uh. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, your I was way switch- of being like wrap it up yeah no 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 i was, I was switching i am switching no, head about you making that about you the shifting is that like your signal i i actually saw is that your switch- oscar music i looked to my oscar left music. and there was a there was a long pole with a hook on it getting ready to pull me off stage yeah. <laughs> no i was just switching headphones but yeah I, I watched um the first two episodes i can't say that um like i'm enthralled with this like I, I i enjoy the whole concept it's a very interesting concept and i'm sure it's heading somewhere very good um the first two episodes the first episode didn't do too much for me um and i thought will ferrell's accent was just terrible like i couldn't i couldn't take him seriously with that accent and overall like um the dynamic 
was just pretty bland to me until um, they started throwing the comedy in there. And I thought the comedic scenes worked very well. Like I felt that Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd were, were, were great when they're in that element, more so than the dramatic element. Um, Catherine Hahn, she's always great. Um, and I liked her dynamic with her brother and also her dynamic with Paul Rudd's character. Um, there's a lot of heart behind the show, and I like the score, too. Um, it has a nice little jazzy tone to it. And, yeah, I'm interested to see uh, where things progress from here because, you know, obviously um, something happens years from from where it begins. And I gave it a, a middle-of-the-road taste. Of- oh, yeah. It's okay. interesting you talk about Will Ferrell's accent. That, like, so, you know, your main characters, are, they're all they're all Jewish, and um, – like their Jewish faith is something that's very important to them. Like it's very much integral part mm-hmm. to who all these characters are. Um, this show, I mean, it's gotten a lot of bad reviews. Um, and when I just skimming through some, there's like a lot of people had problems with, they have problems with the fact that Will Ferrell and Catherine Hahn, but it seems they're more so it's more so Will Ferrell that neither of them are Jewish. Like Paul Rudd is Jewish. Um, but like neither of the two of them are, I, I don't know. Mm. Um, but, like, I know that p- uh, people have been having problems with that. Well, I mean, I felt sometimes like it was almost like a bit of a Jewish caricature <laughs> when Will Ferrell was playing his role. Um, and I know it's not intentional or whatever. I just thought that he just was really forcing this accent, like as if he was just having fun with his buddies or something. <laughs> you know, it didn't, didn't come off as natural to me. Yeah, Catherine Hahn comes off as more natural. Yeah. Yeah, I kept watching this. I was like, "Is Catherine? Ha- is she Jewish? I didn't know she was yeah, Jewish." She, okay, yeah, she's not. She's not so, um, yeah. But Paul, Paul Rudd is. Um, but I don't know. I think I. It's just funny, like what you said, Brian. Though, like you know, he's like Marty. Um, well, Paul's character, like he is someone who can be taken advantage of very easily. And I think you know one of the things I, I think what makes this so fascinating, the story so fascinating, though, is during his. Uh, therapy sessions with Dr. I, like Dr. Ike is pointing this out to him, like saying people take advantage of you while he himself is doing the exact same thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like it's part of the manipulation again, like, you know, during those therapy sessions, like if you didn't know, like the underlying like relationship, like you would be like, this is really good advice that, you know, Dr. Ike is giving Marty. You know, and like on the surface, you're like, yeah, that's like what he's saying. Like that makes total sense and great advice. But then because you like the intention, though, behind those words, mm-hmm. um, there's a very I mean, and the show is very cringy. Like there are times where you're like, you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you're like, Marty, run, get out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's many times where I'm, I just hate seeing this guy getting taken advantage of, and it's really hard for me to watch. And, you know, Paul Rudd, I can see, like, he's very charismatic with certain people at first, and then it just becomes, I don't know, then I, it's, I, the more he talks, the more I fucking hate him as it goes mm-hmm. on. But I think he's, I think he's doing really, doing a really good job, you know, playing this fucking, guy in the show i you know i would definitely recommend watching it but man it's it's gonna be hard watching this character just get taken advantage of over the next like few episodes so yeah it's it's hard to watch um yellow jackets on showtime uh 
a team of New Jersey high school soccer players become the survivors of a plane crash deep in the Ontario wilderness. No, they, this is not an alive situation. Well, it is kind of an alive situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, the series chronicles their descent from a complicated but thriving team to warring cannibalistic clans while also tracking the lives they have attempted to piece back together nearly 25 years later. Yellow Jackets is a drama series created by Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. It stars Sophie Nelise, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Sophie Thatcher, and Sammy Hanratty as four teenagers involved in a plane crash with Melanie Linsky, Tawny Cypress, Christina Ricci, and Juliet Lewis portraying their adult counterparts as they reveal the truth about their survival 25 years later. So yeah, basically you've got a story here of uh, this uh, high school soccer team that uh, very, you know, really, really good soccer team, girls soccer team. And they, uh, they're, they're, they're playing crashes in the Ontario wilderness and it hasn't first episode's been released so they haven't really gotten into like a lot of what's gone on while these girls are in the wilderness we're basically flashing back to the time before in high school and then things leading up um things 25 years later and uh things leading up to maybe this the actual story coming out of like what actually happened there and so this is going to be you know this is going to be kind of like a sl- like slow burn tele- storytelling, but um, Tristan, what do you think about uh, the first episode of Yellow Jackets? Yeah, so I alluded to this show a little earlier um, because I've, it's a similar theme to Anna, where you have a bit of a, a situation where kids have to survive on their own, and what happens in those situations. And I, um, I thought. Right off the bat, you know, the the look of this show and the feel of this show was very well done. I felt it reminded me a lot of uh, of Lost. Um, and, you know, there's definitely a big mystery box here that's going to be unraveled. And, you know, of course, there's the Lord of the Flies elements, um, the Alive elements. Uh, it's all alluding to something pretty, pretty barbaric and crazy happening once these girls crashed. And one thing that I felt was very, very uh, cool about the concept is that these girls are athletes and they go out of the way to show you that, you know, these are like athletic girls who are very good at their sport. And so there's going to be, you know, a very um, competitively physicality uh, <laughs> component going on here on this, on this, uh, this crash site. And, you know, they're, they're talking about the, the girls when they're in high school and, and their dynamics and, you know, who's enemies with who and, and how everything's beginning. Um, and you're also seeing glimpses of them in their older lives as adults, you know, uh, and, and how they're dealing with the aftermath of this whole thing. And it's really, it's such a cool concept. I feel that, um, it's something that I, I definitely want to see unfold. And uh, I gave it a very, very high taste. Yeah, uh, June, did you get a chance to watch this? No, I did not. I even gave you my Showtime login. God damn it! I know I couldn't get it to work. I didn't want to bother you. You oh, could have bothered so you, me. So if you go on Prime, if you do have Prime, you can just watch the first episode for free. Oh, there you go. Oh, really? 
Yeah, usually on Showtime, the first episode they show you for free on Prime. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good yeah. to know, actually. No, yeah, it wouldn't work. I don't want to bother you, Brian. No, you can bother me, especially for the the, okay. the show stuff. Feel free to bother me. <laughs> yeah, you can bother me for show stuff. Yeah, don't bother me with your personal shit. I don't care about that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm also at a high taste it with this show. I, I gotta see how this unfolds and it's got a great cast too. I, I'm really, um, you know, Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, and then, and then, uh, Melanie Linsky, uh, l- little fact here. I was an extra on a movie and I did a scene with Melanie Linsky. So <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, inf- the informant. They filmed, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they filmed it in my town. It's the scene where Matt Damon gets released out of prison, and and they're looking at each other and walking towards each other. I'm a prisoner in the background. I'm like, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very small. You can't see me, but yeah, I was. I did a scene with Melanie Linsky. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but. Yeah, it's cool. I got to see Matt Damon. I walked right past Matt Damon. He was in so much makeup. They made him look older. I walked right past him, didn't even know it was him. That's how good the Hollywood makeup is. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. They did such a yeah. great job. I literally walked past the man, had no idea it was Matt Damon. Yeah, that Hollywood makeup is no joke, though. What was it Helen Mirren when she did The Queen? She said that she, like, she would look in the mirror, like, or they, like, made her all up, and she would scare herself. Oh wow! Because she like didn't recognize she would like she she like if I walk past a mirror and then she'd like I look in the mirror and then I would scare myself because I would forget that like I had been all made up. Uh, Yellow, I'm digging this show quite a bit. Um, I'm gonna keep watching this one. I want to see what more happens out in the wilderness with these with these girls. I think that there is gonna be some fucked up shit. I feel like Christina Ricci's character is gonna be like the big kind of like maybe cult leader that they got going out there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it's a show that like, it's a cool concept and it's something that, yeah, I really want to see what happens, you know, just because obviously these girls are showing them in their adults life, their adult lives. And they're not, they're not revealing, or I guess the, the public's not privy to what happened. When right. They- Plane crash, and they were there for like I think what two years. They said like close, they said like nineteen months or something. I think. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, they're gonna run out of food at some point. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, this is like it's like it's like the movie It. If those kids got back together years later, and instead of like battle the clown, they talked about the time where they all fucking run that in the wilderness and were eating other people. yeah this show is pretty wild it's got a great cast and yeah definitely watch the first episode on uh amazon prime if you don't have uh if you don't have showtime um so yeah i'll I'll give it a high taste as well i think uh i think i'm gonna be watching this week to week i think it's really good and like the the scenes when they are in high school take place in 96 and that was like my senior year. So like this takes me back to 1996. That's why I watched Scream 
just like a, oh wow i watched scream on halloween night I actually on halloween night i watched scream and then immediately after that i watched scary movie i watched them back to, <laughs> i watched them back to back. oh my god scary movie is still fucking hilarious and you could not get away with i'd say about 50 percent of those oh, no. jokes today. the first one right yes yes oh man i remember seeing that in the theater and yes that was one of the fucking funniest movie experiences i've ever had so good (laughs) oh my god yeah but like speaking of 1996 did you hear him use the the insult butt munch oh did they (laughs) a guy calls someone a butt munch i'm like oh yeah that's 19 that's mid-90s right there oh Oh, totally yeah. (laughs) yeah And then there was a, uh, we haven't heard anybody say what's up yet, but yeah, that's a thing too. <laughs> that, that was later night. That, that they did, late. they or did. The, Taco Bell. <laughs> they did the, uh, the what's up in, uh, scary movie. Ghostface was like yeah. on a phone yeah. call and he's like, <laughs> what's Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to the theater, uh, this week and I watched the, the, I guess this movie's getting a lot of Oscar buzz, the Belfast movie. Oh yeah, I saw the uh, Kenneth Brown all directed. Yeah, Kenneth Brown, uh, semi autobiographical film which chronicles the life of a working class family and their young son's childhood during the uh, late 1960s in Northern Ireland, um, and it stars Kytriona uh, Balf. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Judy Dench, Jamie Dornan, uh, Kieran Hines, Colin Morgan, and uh, the young the young boy in the movie is Jude Hill. And, uh, it's, uh, uh, Bronach, he described this as his most personal film. It centers on a young boy's childhood amidst the, uh, uh, uh Belfast in, uh, Northern Ireland in the, in the sixties. And, um, you've got Jamie Dornan who plays the father of this young boy, his son, Buddy, and, um, they live in North Belfast and it's, it's, it's basically a large Protestant, uh, community, but they still have some Catholic families that live there. And he, he goes away on business two weeks at a time when he's back in town, he's like a carpenter and, uh, they've got money problems. They're always being harassed. They're being harassed about paying their taxes. And if they don't, then they're going to have to find a new place to live. Anyway, in, in, in the town, there's, there's people that are, fighting within the town, uh, Catholics and Protestants and, um, all this, all this things going on, all these things going on in Belfast, but we're watching it basically like through the eyes of a, of a young boy, this young boy, buddy played by uh, Jude Hill. And it's all filmed in black and white, except there's a couple times where they do bring a little bit of color into it. But, um, I can't get into the, this one too much because I don't want to. I don't want to spoil a lot on this movie. I just, I just want to say that I did. I adored this movie. It's an absolute Tupperware, and it. This young boy, this 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 actor is so fantastic, and with all these things going on in Belfast, um, he is. He's still got his life going on. He. They they live with their grandparents, played by Judy Dance and Kieran Hines, and and there's some sweet tender moments with the grandparents. Um, 
there's a moment that had me like fucking tearing up where the grandfather's like, you know, no matter where you are, you know, you've got, you've got your mom, you've got your brother, you've got your dad, you've got me, you've got grandma. He's talking about how much he loves them. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful scene. I, I absolutely loved it because he's worried about moving to England and leaving Belfast because of all the things that are going on. And, um, and then he's got this girl at school that he has a crush on. And I thought that that was just adorable. And this girl likes him too. It's, it's the cutest little, little crush that he has in, in school. I loved this movie. I think it's so fucking good. It's an absolute Tupperware. And if you can see, I was only playing in one fucking theater. I had to drive nearly an hour away to watch this one, but I'm glad that I did. Oh. And, um, highly recommend this one. I highly, re- Jamie Dornan is fantastic. Like he's not just the fucking 50 shades of gray guy. Like <laughs> he's not, he's not. I thought he was great in, in Barb and Star, which was not my favorite movie. The comedy hit for me in certain parts, but like his comedy in that movie absolutely hit for me. And then I loved him in Synchronic and he is so, oh, yeah. he's so good in this. He's so good in this. Like, I mean, I think like he's like the, he's the talented Scott Eastwood in my opinion. So, so <laughs> I, I, not a big fan of Scott Eastwood. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why people are. I'm not a fan of Scott Eastwood. Cause he looks, I think cause he looks like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I think that's got it. That's it. Yeah. He looks like Clint. He looks like his dad. Get out, get over it. He's not talented. Oh man. He, he was such dead weight in, uh, what was that, Fast and Furious 8? Terrible. Terrible in <laughs> Fast and Furious 8. Absolutely atrocious. Like, okay, if, if this guy is replacing Paul Walker, then, yeah, this can go to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck right off. <laughs> Scott Eastwood. Jamie Dornan, though, I'm, I, I'm loving Jamie Dornan. I think Jamie Dornan is great. He's so good in this movie, too. And, um, no, go ahead, June. I felt like you had something yeah, I was to say. Like, yeah, I was saying, like, you know, the black and white, like, it seems like this year, um, especially, like, in terms of your Oscar buzz movies, um, I mean, the black and white thing is, like, the trend this year, though, because, you know, you had pa- you have this one passing, and then... Um, Roma. I think it comes... A couple years ago. Um, a couple years ago, but I'm talking about this oh, year, though. Like, Mank? this year... Um, well, that was last year, was it? Yeah, that was the last year. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Year we're like only that. talking about we're only talking about this year, Tristan. No, I'm just saying, like, because I, mean, <laughs> well, I feel like every year you have at least like maybe one, but like this year you have three. Like, yeah, passing Belfast and then um, Macbeth. Uh, that um, mm. and it's Denzel and uh, Francis McDormand. Uh, it's the Apple Plus. Or, like, yeah, they're putting it on Apple Plus. Mm. So, yeah. And I've been watching, I've been watching reruns of Leave It to Beaver all in black and white, June. (laughs) (laughs) Hugh Hugh Beaumont. Let me see if I can name all the cast members. Hugh Beaumont, Jerry Mathers, Hugh Beaumont, Jerry Mathers, Barbara Billingsley. What was Wally's name? What was Wally's name? Come on, Brian, you know this. You know this. (laughs) And Jerry Mathers as the beaver. Who's Wally? Come on, Brian. I can't think. I, it's driving me crazy. How can I remember Hugh Beaumont? That guy died like 70 years ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I loved Belfast. It's an absolute Tupperware. Highly recommend the movie. It's so good. Cowboy Bebop. 
on uh, Netflix, uh, set in the year 2171. The series focuses on the adventures of a ragtag group of bounty hunters, Spike Spiegel and Jet Black, referred to as cowboys, chasing down criminals across the solar system on the Bebop spaceship. It is a live-action remake of the 1998 Japanese anime series of the same name. It's developed by Andre Nemec, written by Christopher Yost, and stars John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, Daniela Pineda, Elena Satine and Alex Hassel, the series which consists of uh it consists of ten episodes. And um I'll start off with this one. I you know, I, I've never seen all of Cowboy Bebop, but I've watched a handful of the first few episodes. Great show, I just never finished it. This really feels like it's very faithful, especially like the first episode is like it felt like it was mm-hmm. almost like beat for beat watching yeah. Cowboy Bebop. I'll be honest with you, and I think John Cho's fantastic. I think Mustafa Shakir's fantastic. I just don't think that this should be in live action. I just think it's better served as an anime. It just feels weird in live action. I'm going to give it a taste it overall. I've watched two episodes. Um, but, uh, I would say, I would say just like when it comes to a lot of different things that are being remade, it's just better to watch the original, just like I'm upset that they're doing a Train to Busan Americanized remake, Train to New York or whatever the fuck. I mean, it doesn't need to be done, just like I think like Cowboy Bebop doesn't need to be turned into a live action deal with John Trump. Remember in the 90s when there was this rumor that there was going to be a live action version of The Simpsons? Like, who the fuck needs that? No, I don't remember that rumor. Wow. That's terrible. That's fucking terrible. terrible. It's just, here's the thing. If, if this, if, if, if you haven't been exposed to the anime and you watch Cowboy Bebop on Netflix, the live action version, version, and you love it, then that's awesome that it got you into Cowboy Bebop. But, I think like if you're pitting this against like the anime, I think the anime's it's just made for for animation and and uh I don't know, I just I think it I think this this is fine. I just it's like if you if you're not going to be better than the original, then why even make it? And I don't think that there's any way that they can make it as good as the original. And it's no fault of the actors. I think like the two main actors that we have in here, John, John Cho and, uh, Mustafa Shakir are fan, fantastic. And I think they really look the parts. And this really goes out of its way for fan service, in my opinion. Even, oh, yeah. <laughs> even with, you know, even with the intro and the music and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watch the original. It's, it's much better. But uh, I'll give it a taste. That uh, June, what you what you think about this one? I mean, you know, I actually this the anime Cowboy Bebop is what got me watching anime, you know, in the first place because they used to put it on Adult Swim. Oh yeah, know, in the late nineties and uh, early two thousands, um, and it's such a beautiful anime. It, it's so good; it holds up still. And you're totally right. Like, like I think this could have been fun, right? Like you, it's got that B movie seventies, you know, pulp movie feel oh, to it. Yeah. The set, the, the, the money that they put into this thing is unreal. Yeah. The sets are like, unreal. The fucking, the special effects the are unreal. Yeah. The costuming, all of it. Like, I mean, so you have this, like, I could see where this could have been a lot of fun live action, right? Like, yeah, you have that. Yeah. That, B seventies pulp 
movie feel, it, they just don't lean into it at all, really, because they're trying so hard to stay faithful to the original, to the source material, to the and to the actual animated show. And I want it. I wanted to like it. I just uh, this is a low taste. It you know, John Cho has like a very special place in my heart. He's like one of the first you know Korean American actors to really make it big in Hollywood. Um, I what really bugged me, like I so I watched the first three episodes because I just wanted to see the goddamn dog, you know. And I knew the third episode is where we see the dog, so I just wanted to see Ian, right? So I did watch the first three episodes for that. Um, but the fight choreography in this is really bad. It's so yeah. obvious. It, I mean, and again, I love John Cho, but it is so obvious that he has not had previous martial arts training. Like it was yeah. very very choreographed to the point where if you could be like, you know, and one and two and block and kick and <laughs> like, it just like it had, it was too rhythmic. And just every time a fight scene came up, I was like, this is not good. Like this is not good fight scene. I think that there is stuff that is so uh fringe that when you make it live action, that it can get, it can bring about a new audience. I don't know if this is going to bring about a new audience for Cowboy Bebop, especially like, what I mean by that is the fact that there was a comic book, uh, that featured a character called Judge Dredd. And I honestly do feel like that that movie with Carl Urban and even, even the Stallone one for as crappy as it is brought attention to the comic. And, uh, mm -hmm. I think the dread, the, the Carl Urban dread movie actually, like, they did something so amazing in that movie. It actually made me go back and, like, read, like, some of the old comics and some of the new IDW comics that, the, that came out. Same thing with, like, uh, the comic book, uh, Tank Girl. Like, I'd never read Tank Girl, but the movie came out and I watched the movie. And so I, like, it really didn't have to, like, do anything for me as a fan to like make me enjoy tank girl in any way just had to you know introduce me to the character and i don't think that this really introduces a lot of that it doesn't do that no. because i think like you're uh -huh. dealing with an iconic anime here it's i don't think like you know and i'm sure that there are tank girl fans out there i'm sure that there are like 2000 ad judge dread comic book fans out there but it's not like on the same level as like the people that are obsessed with cowboy bebop which has been yeah. like a staple in anime for the past 20 plus years it's just this is like one of those things that i think you can kind of leave alone you know dread works tank girl works and i'm sure there's other examples but yeah, Tristan, what do you think about this? Um, okay, so there are parts of this show that really felt like it was like cosplayers in a film. film yes, you know? Exactly. Um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like it's not bad, but it's like it's Netflix. Like, give us a little bit more, you know. And <laughs> and uh, it was uh, you know, I love the score. Like the score was dope as fuck. Like I, I love the the recreation of the opening and all that stuff the opening credits and i thought all oh, that shit was cool the cool jazzy tone behind everything but like june was pointing out it's very obvious that that um that um the lead is not trained uh, john shows not trained in martial arts i think he was serviceable like i mean it, i can tell he's been doing his homework yeah yeah going to practice but yeah the fight choreography as a whole like just the the whole thing was like kind of sloppy 
and um, it was cool looking. Like I like some of the backgrounds and and worlds that they were in looked very cool. I just kind of wish that Netflix gave it maybe a little bit more money or, or something because it looked like this could be recreated by some diehard fans. You're right. That's you know you are spot on with like the moment like at times where it feels like cosplayers. Like yeah. it, it does, and and I think the maybe the problem though, and I don't know. Like I guess the only other live action anime that I've watched was um, Netflix did this one as well when they did the Full Metal Alchemist movie. Mm. Like yeah. it, you try too hard to like. I mean that first episode, this first episode of Cobra, it really was like beat for beat, beat for beat. Yeah, beat for beat. And I, why? It, What's the it, point? It, if they're, it if doesn't translate. It doesn't translate well. It is like if you're gonna do. Do something new. That's sort of the downfall of that, like of this, like comic, like doing live action, like adaptations of animes, right? Like maybe, like do something, go do something different. But here's the thing, June. Here's the thing, June. You're gonna have fucking uh, fanboys that are just like, well, they changed that. That's not how it happened in the original. (laughs) And you're gonna have, but but see, why why do we want a beat for beat fucking? Just thing. watch the original. Just watch anime. the fucking original. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta figure out who, which faction of society you're gonna piss off. You're gonna piss off somebody, and just you know, just commit to it. <laughs> but June, June's right. Yeah. June's right. It's yeah. like she's saying, like you know, it's like it's it's beat for beat, and some things from anime don't transfer well into live action. And you're a hundred percent right. A hundred percent. Just like with comic books too. Comic books, if you just translated, if you just made certain, you know, amazing comic book runs into a movie 100% faithful, it's it's not going to work. You've got to, you're you're dealing with two different mediums. You're dealing with something that's got like different panels on a page and then trying to translate into something that has, you know, you you don't want to hear the exact same dialogue in a comic book being translated onto into something that you're visually seeing. It just doesn't work. So yeah. I'm glad that like And the I'm, villain doesn't work. The villain doesn't like vicious, like vicious in the anime, like that he's a scary dude, right? Yeah, yeah. Vicious in this one is like I'm like, who the fuck is guy like little punk? Like, I'm not scared <laughs> of this guy. You know? <laughs> like he's not threatening, he's not menacing. Whereas like, yeah, the anime version of Vicious though, like that that was a villain, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a taste. What'd you give it, Tristan? Um, just giving the middle of the road tasted. Yeah, I think we're all at a taste it for this one. So, um, I, oh god, imagine if they tried to do like a fucking and I'm, this is not even anime, but I'm just I'm I'm getting really sick of this fucking trend of people that are just I guess too lazy to read subtitles. Like, what if they tried to do like an American version of Parasite? Oh my god! You know, yeah. it, uh-huh. that's well. That's exactly how I'm I. Sure. That's exactly I'm sure there was how we're meeting about that. <laughs> I'm sure there was. Um, what was the other one that they were thinking about doing? It was J.J. Uh, Abrams was involved in the. Uh, um, oh God! It was an anime that they were gonna that, that they were gonna Americanize into live action. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. But it's why, why, just why, just, just read the fucking (laughs) stuff. Just read the subtitles for crying out loud. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, you know? So, 
I mean, there's certain animes where I can watch it dubbed, and then there's certain where it's like, you know, I, I don't watch it dubbed. Some some of the and actually, I do like Cowboy Bebop dubbed, and because that, that's how I was introduced to it. Sure, we had in our Adult Swim. Yeah, but that cast though, like the voice actor, you know, does Jet, like that 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 guy's voice, like, and he's in these. I would hear him in other animes. I'm like, he's got a very distinct voice. Um, same with the one who did um. The guy, the voice actor who did the um, English version of Spike, like I remember he, um, there's another great anime called Samurai Champloo. I think it might be, I think it was done by the same guys who did Cabo Bebop, but that same voice actor's in that. Um, Samurai Champloo is a great anime, by the way, you guys, if you haven't checked that one out. I haven't, yeah. It's really good. That one came out like in the mid-2000s. I haven't been watching a lot of anime since Two Year Eternity. Season one ended. I'm ready for fucking Demon Slayer season two. Holy shit, I'm fucking ready. I saw the I saw the movie in the theater, and it was fucking incredible. I'm ready for season two of Demon Slayer. Jesus Christ, that is a great fucking anime. If you guys have not watched that, I'm telling you, Demon Slayer is fucking incredible. I think they're replaying those on uh, Adult Swim as well, so you can watch mm-hmm. them there if you have the app or anything. Uh, but yeah, Demon Slayer is, that is where it's at. That is a fucking great anime. Uh, King Richard came out this week. I've been looking forward to this one. I remember when I first saw the trailer in the theater for this one, I was just like, holy shit, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fucking, uh, um, a movie about, uh, Serena and Venus. And, um, I'll tell you one thing about this. Fuck it. I'm just going to, first off, I'm just going to give this movie a fucking Tupperware. Let me read the synopsis. Armed with a clear vision and a brazen 78-page plan, Richard Williams is determined to write his two daughters, Venus and Serena, into history. Training on tennis courts in Compton, California, Richard shapes the girl's unyielding commitment and keen intuition. Together, the Williams family defies seemingly insurmountable odds and the prevailing expectations laid before them. It's a biographical drama film directed by Reinaldo Marcus Green and written by Zach Balin and follows the life of Richard Williams, the father and coach of famed tennis players Venus and Serena. It stars Will Smith in the title role. And uh, uh, who do we have here? Uh, Anjanu Ellis, Sinaya Sidney, Demi Singleton, Tony Goldwyn, and John Bernthal. Um, yeah, I, I, I've... Oh my god, I was I, I loved this movie. I don't know what you guys thought about this, but I, I, lo- I, I thought that this was just a fantastic movie. Um, it sounds like... If you didn't know that this was real, it sounds like it's fucking fiction. Two girls, two girls, <laughs> two girls from Compton that become like the greatest tennis players in the world, you know? And yeah. you know, I remember, I remember uh, this movie actually made me uh, mad at myself that I was not watching uh, women's tennis at these times. I, I remember how big they were, though. It's not like you could mm-hmm. avoid Reebok ads. Yeah. I remember when yeah. I remember fucking. Uh, there was like this Reebok ad, ad and they're playing the, uh, one of, one of these corn songs and I'm like, oh my god, look at these girls. These are, these girls are fucking fierce. Look at this shit. These girls are amazing. And then I remember like <laughs> the ESPN just blowing the fuck up when they had to face each other. It was like, you know, oh, yeah. the Williams sisters yeah. are going to be facing each other and shit. And, and it's just like, you talk about insurmountable odds. You're talking about, you know, there's some sports. That are not like it's not like some sports are designed for everybody 
because some sports are a little bit more expensive than others. And I would say that, you know, anybody can play basketball. All you have to fuck, you know, there's a basketball court anywhere. All you have to do is find a ball. But with like with tennis, it's like tennis courts and and the right equipment and all this stuff. It's, oh, it's golf. No, yeah, you I was going to I was going like, to mention golf. Golf is an expensive golf. sport. It's not like very anybody can just white, very white, very elitist sports. Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. I mean, it's uh, freaking polo. Polo and shit. Polo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, every kid can. Every kid doesn't have a horse in the trip. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, yeah, there's certain – I'm telling you, golf is a little too rich for my fucking blood. I don't fucking play golf. I, I, I played golf one time. I had to use somebody else's clubs, and I didn't really have a good time. I was just like, I'll stick to the miniature golf. That's what I'll do. I'll stick oh, to golf the – Golf sucks. Golf is frustrating and boring. I hate it. Yeah, I can't do golf. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I yeah. – it's a fun social outing. Like if you go, you know, your friends and yeah, you know, yeah. just talk and hang out between holes. Drink, yeah, drink a drink a couple beers, smoke cigars and shit, and play some golf. I get it. I it's just it's never been my thing. I was so, but um, yeah, uh, I I I really thought that this was a fantastic movie, and I honestly feel like the story is so big that there's a lot more to tell because it really only gets into Venus. And Serena is kind of like in the background, but she's huge in the overall picture of like this whole story and this family's legacy. I really yeah. thought, oh my God, I was blown away by the performance of Will Smith here. He gets lost in the fucking character. There's times, oh, yeah. there's times where I love how protective he is. And then there's times where I'm just like really upset with Will Smith's character in this. And I'm just like, let the girls choose. Let the girls, <laughs> let, what are the, what do the girls want to do? You're controlling them. You're just, you're one step away from being fucking Britney Spears dad with a conservative ship it's like like what is going on but um and i did not watch this one in the theater which is probably going to be surprising for a lot of people uh i did watch this one at home and um uh on hbo max but uh i i still love this movie an absolute tupperware it really made me pissed off that i did not take any time out i was you know back in the you know early 2000s and and uh you know uh late 2000s i was i was watching i was just watching basketball i was watching bulls basketball i was watching the lakers dominate there for a while and and i was just watching basketball i never I, but my god i wish i would have been watching um uh this stuff but you know a lot of this a lot of the sports stuff it just translates better uh in these movies for me too you yeah. know cuz you get to see um, you know, the, all the drama and stuff, uh, behind this. I was really blown away with, um, when we finally, there, it's a slow burn until we really get to like their, you know, the first professional match. But man, I'm glad that, uh, oh God, that match fucking infuriated me too, what happened in it. But <laughs> I won't, I, I don't want to spoil it. But um, I, it's an absolute Tupperware. I loved this movie. I thought the the acting was just phenomenal. I think the story's great. I also feel like there's more stories to be pulled from this. I would not mind seeing like a little bit more Serena if they did another movie, which I don't think will happen. But I think there's a lot more to be told with with the with with Serena here. Um, June, what did you think about King Richard? Oh, this was a Tupperware. I watched this uh, earlier today. Um, 
Will, Will Smith was fantastic in this. Um, like, and he, sh- like his character is a different kind of helicopter parent. You know, like a lot of times when you have these parents of, you know, good singers, good actors, or, you know, good athletes, they push their kids. He's but not he's Michael always- Jackson's dad. No, no, he's not. Or he's not the he's not Macaulay Culkin's dad, you know, or you know Jamie Spears because, you know, those parents like they want the stardom and fame, right? So they push for the route of like get the manager, get the sponsorships, get the agent, and, you know, they don't think or they don't care about what that can bring to their kids, like what that makes their kids vulnerable to by putting them out in the spotlight so soon, and like he took a very different approach like yes he was a helicopter parent but he wanted to keep him grounded like he wanted them to like he didn't want to expose them yeah he wanted them to all be good in school and and stuff like that i liked how the i liked how the movies didn't incorporate and i'm sure that this was a thing but i liked the how the movie didn't incorporate like um, any of the girls like, you know, romances, like boys liking them. Oh, I liked yeah. how it, it just focused on, and don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these people that fucking hate seeing like, uh, teen, ro- <laughs> I don't, ha- I'm not the person that hates seeing teen romance and stuff. And I know that, like, that, that, that's a lot of people don't want to see teen romance or romance at all. I think it, I think it's a natural thing for a teenagers to have crushes and on all this stuff. But in this movie, I'm glad that they focused on the family dynamic and the sport in this one. Right. I, exactly. I, yeah. And, and I just, I think Will Smith was very convincing in that role though. Right. Like I, I bought it like him, the decisions he makes. It was just, it was interesting to see this different kind of helicopter parent portrayed on TV. I think. Um, one who doesn't push the kid into stardom, but actually holds them back to protect them. Yeah. And, um, that's just like, this is, this is a parent that yes, strove their kids to be great, but also did everything they could. Like it really was like for the children's best intention. Like the intention was like, this is for my kid. Yeah. Whereas you look at fucking, you know, Michael Jackson's dad, Jamie Spears, when they say, Oh, everything I did is for my kid. It's like, no, you wanted to profit off your kids. Like you don't get that from Richard Williams. Really? You know, like it is about the well being of of his kids and his family. And I think Will Smith pulled it off beautifully. Um, I think the, the actresses that played, I mean, I mean, I thought they were wonderful too. Um, I think I bought their passion of the game. Yeah, I, and I like so, the scenes of them just being sisters. And uh, exactly, I did love that. I did love that. I thought um, John Bernthal. John Bernthal was fucking incredible. <laughs> so I had to look it up to make yeah. sure that was him because this oh, is the first him. role that I've ever <laughs> seen him in where he's not doing the grunty, gravelly voice. Well, you should watch him. He was in. No, he was in. Um, Oh God! What fucking? Oh, I'm trying to think. He's been he's done some stuff where he's not been like you know the the grunting guy. Frank he's yeah, Frank he's. Castle. I'd have to look over his full body of work. I, I know that there's there's, I, there's some movie. Oh God, was it was it Baby? Was he in Baby Driver? He's a Baby Driver. Yeah, he. I liked him oh, in that. He, but I mean, he was a, like an assassin, though. Yeah. It was just interesting to see him just like not yeah, but like because he was in Ford v Ferrari, he played Lee Iacocca, but he had the wasn't grunty, but he still had that low gravelly voice. 
So like when I was like, that's John Barenthal. And then he started speaking and I was like, no, that's not John Barenthal. So I had to look it up and I was like, oh, it is. I thought he was wonderful as um, <laughs> Coach uh, Coach Macy, I thought he was really good. He was really good. The scene that I I really and I'm gonna hear I'm gonna hear from Tristan here in a second. But the scene I loved was like the nosy neighbor that called Child Protective oh. Services and the police out to the home, and how um, when they got into the home, they it it was like you are you're profiling us because we're a black family that lives in Compton. Let me show you how things are run in this home. And it was like that yeah. woman, that woman shut the fuck up. Uh huh. And I yeah. also love the fact that I, I'm going to blame the Williams sisters on so many Karens being in the world because I think that these fucking, these black girls just beat down these white tennis players and turned them into mm-hmm. Karens <laughs> because they had, I honestly think that the Williams sisters are the origins. They, they've given all these Karens their origin stories uh, because they so just, next time I see a Karen, it's going to be, ah, oh, former. Former tennis player. Yes. You, you got, you got your fucking ass beat by Venus Williams and the juniors, didn't you? And now you have nothing better than to do than to bitch out that fucking employee at Starbucks because they fucked up your latte. Anyway, Tristan, Tristan, what did, I love this movie. I think it's, I, Will Smith, what a fucking performance by Will Smith in this one. He was yeah. so good. What did you think, Tristan? I, lo- I loved it, and it's a tough word for me as well. And I got choked up watching the fucking trailer, so I knew I was going to like it. And <laughs> this this movie doesn't invent the wheel, like reinvent the wheel. It's it's definitely predictable, like as far as the beats are concerned. But the way that it's done is so it's so rewarding. You know, you don't feel like you've seen this a million times. And um, Brian, you mentioned like you you have a, a newfound respect for what they went through to get there, and. There was even moments in this film where I had to remind myself, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. <laughs> They're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. because, because when you actually see like where they're coming from to know that, oh, okay, this is, they're going to be multimillionaires, the, the biggest athletes in the world in their sport. Um, you know, the fact that they can go from step one to that. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. Like it's, it's mind boggling. And and not only did he do it with one person, he did it with two. Like, yeah, that's the craziest fucking thing about it is that he's like you're saying the movie's focused on Venus because Venus was the one who kind of broke the door down. But it's like this supporting character that's playing the little sister is going to be the freaking best player in the world. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's the crazy part is that uh, she's not even the main focus of this film. You know, it's basically saying like. You know, we're going to get Venus in into this position. And, and if you're not paying attention or you don't know the history, like the little sister is the one that's going to take over. And I thought it was so uh, incredible how um, Mr. Williams, uh, how he just kind of predicted all of this stuff, too, because it's it's documented. He would go on TV and say these mm-hmm. things like yep. he would he would actually go on TV and say, like, they're going to be the best in the world. And. And everyone would just kind of laugh at them. And you can imagine um, what he had to go through to convince people in the very, very beginning, you know, before they got started. Um, and and he he even knew. And I saw an interview with Serena and she said that he even knew that she that Venus was going to go first, take over. And then she was going to come in and take over 
even at an even bigger level. Like he was telling yeah. her this when she was a kid. He's like, Venus is going to go first, but you're going to be the best. Like he was telling her this. And, and it's an, it's amazing how he was able to foresee this for his family. And, and you guys mentioned earlier, too, it's like they, he wasn't like the parent that we thought he was. Like we all thought he was um, Joe Jackson. You know, we all thought he was this guy who was horrible for his kids and pushing them. But it was like quite the opposite because he was allowing them to be kids, too. Like he would mm-hmm. say um, um, one of his punishments for them would be that they couldn't play tennis. <laughs> you know, so like he would say, you know, if you got in trouble, you can't play tennis or, you know, and even the decision to go against what was traditionally done and to take them out of um, the juniors so that they can just be kids and just, you know, not have right, to deal with was... those pressures from, from such an that early age. That no, they, that never happened. And and I was so like surprised to see like their mom and their dad like formulated their uh, their tennis stance, which was never which, which was not common in the in the sport. And wide. That ten- <laughs> yeah, wide the wide stance. <laughs> and the coaches were all like, "Why are they doing a wide stance? This isn't typical." Like, and he's he's pushing them to do this wide stance, which I think their mom helped with as well. And and that stance revolutionized the whole sport. So like it, it like changed things and people were like, oh, shit, maybe the white stance is is better, you know, and like and so it wasn't like he was just a guy who just pushed them to be tennis players like he actually their parents formulated their unique tennis style, too. You yeah. know, oh, and, that montage scene, like the montage scene when um, so basically, you know, when they're still in California and they're able to get a coach, but the coach can only coach one of the daughters for free. Right. So being able yeah. to get to be coach. But then it's. I love that montage scene, though, where you see Venus training with the new coach, but then Serena's training with her mom. Yeah. You know, at the park tennis courts, right? And, like, I love that scene, though. I love that little montage of the back and forth. And, like, you know, their mom was, like, she was a drill master. I mean, she was, like, go, go, like, pick your feet up. You got to be faster. Yeah. I I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, and there's that moment too where the, the first Asian, um, Paul, I think was his name, where he's just kind of like, hey, you know, Serena, step aside. I'm going to play with your sister, you know, because he, you know, at the time, Venus was the shit. Well, she's know? older. Well, she was yeah, also she's older. two years older. Yeah, yeah. And, but like, I'm pretty sure just given the, the, the raw talent that they had, that it was, it didn't take long for them to see that Serena wasn't a joke as well. Um, I thought it was really cool how she was entering herself into, you know, the the, <laughs> the the matches and stuff. While everyone's focused on Venus, she's entering herself in little junior matches on the side, you know, in secret. And, um, yeah, the cast was, was great. Like, I, I do, I mean, Will Smith is 100% going to get a nomination. I hope so. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he will. Uh, whether he wins, I don't know what else is, is coming for the rest of the year, but he's definitely going to get a nomination because oh, yeah. it's really hard for Will Smith to lose himself in a role, right? Like, it's hard yeah. not to see him. Like, we have six years of The Fresh Prince and we have all these other fucking movies. Independence uh, Day. Yeah, where he's yeah. Will Smith, right? And so it's hard for him, us to not see him. And within minutes, like, I didn't see him. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. incredible. He disappears. Yeah. Could you imagine, yeah. though? Like, okay, so like, can you imagine if you were playing doubles you know, like you don't know who like you're entering this tournament, right? If you <laughs> like, if I look up and I see my opponents are the 
uh, or Venus and Serena, I would just put my racket down and throw my hands and be like, I forfeit. I like, love, I love know. this scene. I love the scene where they fucking met, you know, John McEnroe and Pete Sampras and they're like, oh, and, cool. and they're basically, and, and the dad is saying like one day these guys are going to talk about the day that they met Serena and Venus. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, and, and that's gotta be the, that's gotta be the God's honest truth, you know? Cause I remember yeah. like, I remember fucking like those commercials back in the day when it was all, it was all fucking, Andre Agassi and fucking Pete Sampras. Pete Sampras. And, right. and I remember right. when I was a kid just watching like, you know, fucking, I just knew John McEnroe was like the angry tennis player, yes. you know? It was like, <laughs> yeah. it was Bobby Knight and basketball, the coach and then, and John McEnroe just throwing, throwing fucking tennis rackets and shit. And then it was Bobby Knight throwing chairs. Oh, chairs. Yeah. Oh, chairs. So. <laughs> I th- that was a good actor they got for Pete Sampras too. Yeah, really good actor. <laughs> he did look yeah. like him. Even Johnny Mac looked like Johnny Mac, you know? <laughs> he yeah. did. So, uh, yeah. It was interesting though. It was like during this time. So I don't remember exactly like what year, um, this was like that last like game, you know, at the end of the movie. And then I want probably 1994, I believe. So, you know what? You know, like what, a couple years later, Tiger Woods wins the Masters, right? So you have these two sports that are traditionally very elitist, very white. And in both of these sports in the mid-90s, you know, they have phenoms. You have Venus and Serena in tennis. You have Tiger Woods in golf. And the thing is, those phenoms are the greatest in their sports to this day. Yeah. And, they're on, and they're people of color. I think that's pretty phenomenal. Like what was going on in the nineties? I remember. Yeah. Do you guys? Hey, hey, Tristan, June. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember when Charles Barkley? This is years ago. Charles Barkley was like, he's like, oh my god, he's like the best. He's like the best golfer is black. The best rapper is white, and the, and, <laughs> and the tallest guy in the NBA is Chinese. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's talking about that's like 2000, 1999, 2000. Yeah, he's talking about Yao Ming, Eminem, and 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 I was just like, oh my god, yeah, dude, it's a totally, it's a totally different, it's a totally different world. It's a totally, oh my god, I remember. Do you? Hey, I remember Tristan. I know this is not even dealing with this movie. Do you remember watching those matchups against Shaq and Yao Ming back in the day? Yeah. Oh my god, I remember. I went to. uh I think it was their first matchup. I was at a bar and, uh, everybody's at a, every, you know, my friends were all at a table and everybody at that bar is just, they got it on every TV fucking screen. We're all just watching Yao Ming and Shaq go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You think Shaq is a big dude and Shaq is a big dude. But if you ever see that picture of like Shaq next to Yao Ming, Yao Ming is just like, he was how just, tall was, how tall is Yao he? Ming was seven foot four or five. Jeez. I remember he used to do those Apple commercials um, with the MacBooks because they came out with two different sizes of the laptops. Oh, right. Yeah. With, um, with um, the actor who played Mini-Me in um, the Austin Powers movie. Vern Troyer. So, like, Vern Troyer. Yeah, Vernon Troyer. Vernon Troyer had like the 17-inch MacBook and then Yao yeah. had like the 12-inch MacBook. Did you see, um, <laughs> did you see uh, Shaq's Hall of Fame speech? Yao? No, no. Um, so um, Shaq mentions, um, I guess they were playing against each other for years, you know, and they were always pitted together as pitted, pitted against each other as rivals. And I guess they were playing together for years. And Shaq was saying, um, 
he, you know, he never spoke to Yao because he didn't think he spoke English. Yeah. And he says, yeah. And then, he says, and then like after years, like at just one point, Yao just talks to him and says like, Hey, what's up, man? He's like, you speak English? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yao Ming. Oh my God. That guy, I'm telling you, he was, if he was, it, there's so many different NBA players that I would have loved to seen come into the NBA a lot sooner before they got older and, and injured. Like Arvita Sabonis was another guy I would have loved to seen come into the NBA because yeah. that guy was dominant, dominant. But when when we right. finally got him over here, he would you know he'd already been gone through some injuries and shit like that. Sean Bradley was seven foot six. And then that dude was fucking ridiculous. Well, Jordan, tall too. Even if you're that tall, like it's surprising. Like you're so tall that like you, I would imagine that you'd be almost clumsy, right? Because then you're well, he, just all wet. Sean Bradley was not Shaq. Shaq is the is the rarity. You don't see a guy that is seven foot two with his athleticism and his size with that muscle and all Got, those muscle. Oh. You can't. You you can't. You don't. You, seven foot two guys just don't have that athletic. Like right, he was just an <laughs> athlete, and you just. It, Usually guys with that size, that, that, that's, that's all they have is their size. Cause you can't. They're just a body. They're a body. Yeah. That's why like Bulls, they had, we had Will Purdue and Bill Wennington. Bill Wennington, don't get me wrong, was a great player at St. John's. Will Purdue's a great player. But Bulls had a three-headed monster with like, you know, Luke Long. These guys are just seven footers. Shaq was just like, he's a freak of nature athletically. This guy was just <laughs> insane. Um, you just don't see a guy seven foot two being able to move and dominate the way that he does. George Murison was just there, like he was seven foot seven, and that guy was just there for his size, his 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 height. Uh, Rick Smith was seven four, another good basketball player. But oh, and the, did you ever see the seven foot nine guy that 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 was out of North Korea? No. Oh, who's, who's this guy? I don't know his name. Look up. There's a basketball player. He couldn't play over here because he was from North Korea, but he was seven foot nine. And I remember watching like video on this guy. They'd, every once in a while, you'd be able to see video on this guy on ESPN. They'd talk about him. He never played over here, but he was seven foot nine. And he was a basketball player out of uh, North Korea, I believe. Yeah, I see him. Yeah, he's he looks insane. Yeah. Yeah, Ri Myung Hyun. Michael yeah. Ree. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Ree Young. Yeah. Yeah, this guy. Oh, my God. This guy. Jesus. This guy. This guy. Wait, seven foot nine. Slender man. Like, that's how big he is. <laughs> like, they have, I'm looking at this picture of him talking to Dennis Rodman, because Dennis Rodman loves North Korea. Um, but this guy, like, he's in, like, this black suit. And just the way he's standing over Dennis Robert, like he's like Slenderman, like those those pictures of Slenderman that you see, like carrying <laughs> over the kids. That's what this looks like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but King wow. Richard, King King Richard Tupperware. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, it's very, yeah, very just, good. I, I wanted to point out, as far as that movie's concerned, like I thought it was very well directed too. Yeah. Like it's um, like the way that um. Venus comes out of the shadows and those iconic white beads. That was such a yes. such a, a great moment right yes. there. Um, and yeah, I, I really fucking enjoy this movie. And I think you can see possible Oscar nominations, not only for Will Smith, but John Bernthal and also Engine Uh, Alice as well. 
This will oh, be. She was fantastic. This yeah, is one of those. Yeah. This is one of those fucking sports movies that I'll I'll probably watch over and over and over again. There's a lot of sports movies that you know. Every time I see like, I think like Hoosiers, um, a League of Their Own. Uh, I haven't seen A League of Their Own in years. I love that movie, though. Oh, my gosh. I love that movie. I could watch that one over and over again. I also, That's a good one. Uh, Rocky, of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah it's definitely a top-tier sports movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Have you guys seen Warrior with Tom Hardy? Yeah. God damn. No. Oh, oh, June. You, uh, I'm talking, this movie makes me cry every yeah, fucking time. Put it on time. your list. Put it on your okay. list to watch. You gotta watch Warrior. Fucking Nick Nolte, Tom Hardy, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Edgerton? Edgerton, Joel Edgerton. Oh my yeah. god. Oh, okay. Fucking phenomenal wow. fucking movie. Yeah, it is, it is one of my favorite sports movies of all time. I actually did an episode, uh, of The Real Zodiac. And, uh, th- uh, and, and Amanda and Quentin had never seen the movie before. And, uh, we reviewed it and I found out both of them fucking bald like babies. Cause it is a, it is, it is, it is amazing sports movie, MMA movie of all things. Oh. Yeah. 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 It's fucking incredible. Uh, Marvel's, uh, Hit Monkey dropped on Hulu. I've watched the first two episodes of this one. And uh, it follows Hitmonkey, uh, an unjust Japanese snow monkey who is mentored by an American assassin's ghost while he damages Tokyo's crime <laughs> world. Uh, Fred Taschiori stars as Hitmonkey, an unjust Japanese snow monkey. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, George Takai, Olivia Munn, Ali Maki, and Nobi Nakanishi also star... And, uh, yeah, this is one of those, like, uh, when they were doing all those, they, there were four slated Marvel shows, animated shows that they were doing. I can't remember what the other two were, uh, right off the top of my head, but Hitmonkey was one, Modoc was one. We, we saw the Patton Oswalt, uh, Patton Oswalt Modoc come out a few months ago. I was not a fan. Um, I know, like, Neil loved it. I was not a fan of it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm enjoying Hitmonkey. I, I'm gonna give it a taste. It I like it. I love. I think Jason Sudeikis is a lot of fun, and it's bloody. <laughs> it's bloody. Like it starts off, and it's like it's like it shows you the Marvel logo in association with Marvel, and you get the Marvel logo, and um, like you see the origin of Hit Monkey, and um, his his Snow Monkey tribe is basically like decimated. They're all shot up and killed, and he's like on a. He's on a revenge quest. It's like a, it's like John Wick if he was a monkey. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think it's fun. I, I, I think Jason Sudeikis got great, he's got great comedic timing in this as the ghost who's like the mentor for Hit Monkey. And I think it's a lot of fun. I'm going to give it a taste it. And I'm probably going to continue to watch these over the next few, you know, weeks. Um, I'm not going to just binge it. I haven't even started. I haven't even started Big Mouth season five. Have you guys started that? No, I haven't. I haven't watched any Big Mouth. Oh, really? No, I just I, I know. Like everyone talks about it, I just haven't. Yeah. I know. See, season four. There's just so much out there. There's so much yeah. out there. Season four wasn't that great, but the first three seasons are a lot of fun. I think, I just think like sometimes like a show just kind of like runs its course and you kind of like just get it. Like, okay, this is what we do on this show. And it's like, there's, 
I don't know. I think Big Mouth kind of ran its course with me. I'm not like rushing to watch season five. But uh, Marvel's Hit Monkey's fine. I'll, I'll give it a taste. It um, super bloody, which I appreciate, and uh, yeah. um, you know, uh, I think the art is cool. A little bit of, I saw a little bit of like Archer kind of art. I'm not. I don't watch Archer, yeah. but yeah, I, I see a little bit of Archer in the art. But uh, mm-hmm. um, Tristan, what did you think about Hit Monkey? Um, it, it grew on me. I watched about four episodes. Oh wow! And um. Yeah, it went from a, a tasted to like a high tasted. It's a very entertaining show, animated show. And it's like you said, it's not a show that I feel like I need to catch every time an episode drops. Or, or actually, I think they might have all dropped. They all right? dropped. Yeah. Not so, yeah. So it's not something I feel like I need to binge, but it's definitely a good show that I can just turn my mind off and cut on, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I thought, yeah, Jason Sudeikis, his voice acting was was a great uh component of the show um the graphic violence um the relationship between the hitman and the monkey is such a ridiculous concept that like i was just laughing um i was just laughing at the concept while i was watching the show <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck is going on <laughs> monkey's an assassin wearing a little suit <laughs> 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 yeah. But, but yeah like it's it's um yeah it, it's it's I lost you, Tristan. All right, yeah, we lost Tristan there for a moment. I don't know. I don't remember what we were talking. We were talking about Hit Monkey, but I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. But uh, I think you were talking, Tristan, and then we just, like, lost you. I just gave it a high taste, and I said, go see it, people. And there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. This guy. I like that. Um <laughs> June, what do you think about uh Hit Monkey or did you or are you going to call this Shit Monkey if you didn't like it? <laughs> no, I actually did like this. I watched the first 3 episodes. Um you know, I thought this it was a lot of fun. I'll get this one to high taste it. Um I really like the interaction between you know Jason Sudeikis's character and the monkey. Like especially <laughs> I love I love hearing you say that. I just it love the interaction. I think no, I just really- I love hearing people say like, oh, I love hearing. I love the interaction between Jason Sudeikis and the monkey. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's just not a sentence you hear every day. You know what no, I mean? No, like yeah. it's such a ridiculous. It is like it's a ridiculous mm-hmm. concept, but especially because like the monkey right is like has these like has these conflicting feelings about killing people, yes, even if they're yes. bad guys and deserve yes. it, and so like. You know, like every time, like he feels bad, and like you know, you see the monkey, he's like sad in Jace today because it's like, oh my god, like stop it. He's like, just get over it. <laughs> that interact, that sort of back and forth. Like every time the monkey's sad, Jace today is like, he's like, I just bug up and just walk it off. <laughs> like I just, I think that's so, it's so weird and ridiculous and funny. Um, I think this is a funny show, Jason Sudeikis. Is really good in this. Yeah, like he's very irreverent yeah. and just sort of talks about anything and any whatever. And then when he forgets he's a ghost and he tries to like pick up a you know like a glass of whiskey. <laughs> 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 and then um, 
what is it like when the monkey falls asleep and then he wakes him up and he's like, yeah, so apparently as a ghost, I don't sleep. So basically just sitting around just <laughs> waiting for you to wake up. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is a fun one. I, do, I definitely give this one a high taste it. And you're yeah. right, Ryan, about it. Like, it's actually the um, it's the animation of Bryce. Especially like the eyes, like that reminds me very much of Archer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I I don't watch Archer, but it, like I've seen enough commercials of Archer to where it like looks like that animation style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Saturday Night Live alumni, is Kim Kardashian dating Pete Davidson? What the fuck is going on there? What? Yeah, she is. Have you seen this? Like. There's a picture, no. hold on, there's a picture that's been thrown up on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff, and it's Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian holding hands, and they're saying mm. that they're dating, and she was wearing a pair of Yeezys as they're holding hands. So it's almost like she's walking on- the Disrespect. She's walking on Kanye, and she's holding hands with Pete Davidson. Wow. What is going? I I was driving around today, mind blown, mind blown. I was thinking to myself, Pete Davidson is dating Kim Kardashian. This is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in. It must have happened. It must have happened last month, though, because they um, she hosted Saturday Night Live, uh, like like maybe like sometime last month. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though, but I'm like, I remember I did watch that Saturday Night Live and I'm trying to remember if they even had any like sketches together. I don't know. Yeah, they did. But... Yeah, he, he was Aladdin and she was Jasmine. And when that's I, that's ty- right. That's right. I forgot about that one. Yep. You're right. When I type in is Pete Davidson, the first thing I see is, is Pete <laughs> Davidson white, but the, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> The fifth, the fifth, the fifth thing I see is Pete Davidson dating Kim Kardashian. Let's, let's check out. Kim Kardashian West and Pete Davidson are officially dating and were pictured holding hands just week after, weeks after Kanye West said he's never seen the divorce papers and hinted that Kim's publicist Influence their split. Yeah, Pete Davidson, Kim Kardashian. She still hasn't changed her name, so she still has the West attached to her name. Yeah, Yeah, they're not officially divorced yet, but I'm wondering if the six Google searches, does Pete Davidson carry a fucking nine-inch cock? Yeah, he's got a. God damn, he has to. He has to have a magical penis. I swear. It's like the lead singer of Counting Crows. Like that guy got some. Like that guy dated like Jennifer. It was Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, and Courtney Cox. And and Courtney Courtney Cox. Cox. Oh my god, uh, Mandy Moore and Mandy Moore and uh another a, a singer Vanessa Carlton like he that guy got some tail that song long december was about the time where he dated both Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox in the same month yeah. <laughs> <laughs> long december and there's a reason to believe it. oh my god that's crazy but you guys know it doesn't stop there right he has a history of dating like women that appear to be out of his league like he's this is like the fourth or fifth time 
Oh, mean, uh, really? I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With Pete Davidson. She was with um, Ariel. What was her name? Uh, Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. But he, that was like the big like one. Yeah, yeah. but he, it's and like he, it's like he's he's like, like upgrading every time. Yeah, it's like getting stronger. Yeah, <laughs> getting those infinity stones. It's it's almost like we're, next month we're gonna read that fucking Marilyn Monroe has rose from the grave and is now dating Pete Davidson. Now <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you got the soul stone. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, these are like infinity stones. You're you're absolutely right. These are like every time he's just adding another stone to his gauntlet, his sex gauntlet. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. And, and it's like this guy. I mean, he's admitted to not completely having his life together. I know he's on a lot of medication and. Deals with a lot of issues. I'll take you know, I'll take those problems any day of the week. <laughs> I'll, I, trust me, I will take all of his problems any day of the week. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta read his tell-all book that comes out when he turns forty. No shit. Like, how bad can oh, you really? God. How bad can you really feel for the guy, though? How bad can you really? <laughs> Oh. But they're all older. He, he dated Kate Beckinsale. Like, I don't know if you know about no. that, No, when did he date yeah. Kate Beckinsale? What was that? Yeah. 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 Google it. Yeah. He, uh, Man. He, he, yeah. He's Pete's. And he's like 25, 26, something like that. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Kate Beckinsale? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my god! This is the world we live in. Uh, <laughs> the best rapper is white. <laughs> the best rapper is black. What? <laughs> Davidson's dating who? What? <laughs> oh my god! Oh man! Uh, Freak Brothers on Two B TV. Uh, I knew, I put this on the list. I, I was just like, oh my gosh, Tubi TV gets, Tubi TV, it's Fox's ad supported video on demand service and they have a bunch of different fucking movies that you can watch there. But they did this animated series called The Freak Brothers. Is this like a, I think this was like a comic strip back in the 60s, right? Graphic novel, yeah. Graphic novel. And so they've updated these characters and like they got so fucking, they're, they're stoner characters. They went to Woodstock and anyway, they get, they, they fucking smoke this super powerful weed and it, uh, it, it makes them sleep for 50 years and they don't age and now they're in the year 2021. And I was just like, holy shit, we got to talk about this because it's got like this incredible voice cast. Woody Harrelson. Pete Davidson again. Pete Davidson. I know. Pete Davidson's in this fucking show. I'm not even joking. Did you Pete... intentionally segue into that? I like did not. I did not. <laughs> I swear to God, I did not. I actually. The funny thing is, today I was driving and um, I uh, I had uh, I, I think I. I got home and I, I, I was looking for new news stories and it was on my Twitter feed that Pete Davidson was seen, uh, with, uh, with Kim Kardashian. I was like, holy shit. 
I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe there'll be a, a moment where I can talk about Pete Davidson on the, on the podcast because this is insane. And it, and it came to me. I totally forgot he was in this fucking show, Tristan. That is no yeah, lie. Yeah, I did too until you just said something. Yeah. I forgot that he was part of the cast. Yeah. Woody Harrelson, Pete Davidson, John Goodman, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Adam Devine, and uh, Blake Anderson. I'm a fan of every single person involved in this. And it follows four characters who wake up from a 50-year-old nap after smoking a magical strain of weed in 1969. In the show, they must learn to adjust to life with a new family in present-day San Francisco. It's uh, the streamer's first original animated series. It's an eight-episode run based on Gilbert Shelton's cult classic underground comics, The Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. And uh, I... fucking hated it and then and then and then there was a point where i was like oh my god this could be really cool watching like like once they did the time jump this could be really cool watching these characters from 1969 these fucking like stoners adjust to like the world that we're in now and it did get interesting for a moment they're seeing all the people looking at their cell phones all the time and they're thinking they're under some kind of mind control and i was like oh this could get really good and then it got really fucking stupid again so i don't like this Mm -hmm. show i'm gonna give it an absolute toss it sadly i've seen two episodes but my God, I love this cast. I think I, I, I think everyone here is super fucking talented. It's just uh, it. This is not for me. I uh, I I toss this. I I don't know. Maybe I think it's. I don't know. I don't. It, it's 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 like Cheech and Chong humor with a 2021 <laughs> it's twist. Dated. It's, it's dated. dated. It's dated. It's stoner humor that's very dated. Yeah. Yeah. So June, what did you think? I tossed this too. I did not laugh a single time. And you're right. This is like, you have an amazing cast in this and it's so disappointing. I I, I thought this was awful. Like I am not, (laughs) I watched the two episodes that are available on Tubi and I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not revisiting this. This is, this was just, yeah. And I just, I just, again, like, I feel like this was very like early 2000 stoner humor. You know, oh, this yeah. is like 20 years ago, stoner humor that I just like, I'm at age 40. I'm like, it's not funny anymore. Like, oh, God. I just, this isn't. Yes. And I don't like this. If I was <laughs> if I was 23 again and you told me to watch uh, this and then, dude, where's my car? I would. That would be a wonderful night. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I, I just it's not. I'm like, I can't. I can't this is just not. Yeah. Something that in, yeah. is enjoyable. It's yeah. not, I find no fun. I don't find no. I didn't find any humor in it. So yeah, I just toss it. I you know, and I, I love I love Woody Harrelson. I love John Goodman. I love Tiffany Haddish. I'm a huge fan of Workaholics with Adam Devine and Blake Anderson. I love Adam Devine. I love him. I do but, too. Ugh. And I, you know, and I love I love this cast. And uh, I'm a little upset with pete davidson because my uh, how how much action can this fucking guy get jesus fucking christ (laughs) seriously (laughs) you are right he is like the sex thanos (laughs) (laughs) he is a a sex thanos with these infinity gems that he's just collecting 
all over. It's just ins- it's insane. Anyway, what did you think, uh, Tristan? Um, you know, it's, I think you're probably accurate in saying that this show is like a stoner show because um, I got high as fuck and I love this <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was John Goodman in the cast, but like, man, I, just everyone, like, I, I swear I laughed audibly, like, like seven or eight times each each episode. Like, I thought it was so fucking funny, man. And, and I, I had that awareness, like, I had that high, that, um, that, like, smoker's awareness thing where it's like, I know this shit's not really funny, but it's fucking funny. <laughs> right now, in this moment, I love it. This is the best thing I've ever watched in this moment right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I gave it a, I gave it a high taste. <laughs> oh, that is fucking amazing. So, yeah, okay. So, this is like... This show should actually come with like kind of like a uh, a warning at the beginning that like yes you do need to in fact be high while you're watching this show. Yes. Oh, uh, that's hilarious, man. Yeah, it's called Freak Brothers and it's on Tubi TV, which is it is a free service, so you can download Tubi to your Roku, or your Apple uh, TV, um, you know, whatever fucking streaming device you have. Tubi is free, and uh, every once in a while, I, I, I used to watch Tubi every great once in a while. They would have like some Marvel animated stuff on there that I would catch on Tubi for free. I think they, I think Tubi TV might be famous for having like all the not the original American Pie movies, but all like the fucking like bullshit American Pie movies, the ones that still had Eugene Levy in it, but with like a completely different cast. Yes. Yeah, that feels that feels very much like a Tubi TV thing. What oh what did you send a picture of here? Speaking of Pete David. Holy shit, why the fuck is Flava Flav in that picture? His adopted son celebrating my adopted son Pete Davidson's birthday with the legend at Kim Kardashian and Agnes Jenner. Oh my god, this is a picture of Flavor Flav with Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson. What's the mom's name? Chris Jenner. Yeah, uh, Chris Jenner. Yes, yeah. What the fuck is going on? Flavor Flav is involved in this now. What, what fucking VH1 sitcom is this, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you ever watch the uh, Flavor Flav Brigitte Nielsen reality show? What was it called? Oh, uh, Strange, Strange Love? Love? Yeah, I never I watched it, but I, yeah, I, I saw the, um, what was the one, the Celebrity House VH1 show that they the did? The Surreal Life. Surreal Life. I did watch that when uh, they that where they met. I was a huge fan of Surreal Life. I love Surreal I did Life. Watch that. Oh my god, the season with Vanilla Ice, Ron Jeremy, was it was incredible. Oh, and then the one with uh, Omarosa and the who's the supermodel? Oh, great one. Oh, and Janine, Janice, uh, Janice Dickinson. Janice Dickinson oh and Bronson yeah. Pinchot was on that season. Yeah. Yeah. But that I remember that that season with um with Amarosa and then Janice Dickinson like they were showing like them like pose like they were doing uh like promo shoots right for the show and Janice Dickinson was supposed to be like holding like a knife above like Amarosa's head like as a joke and like I remember Amarosa like lost her shit and was so <laughs> oh angry, I remember like, that through, yeah. like the biggest yeah. kissy fit <laughs> yeah uh, it was a great show. 
Janice Dickinson was it? Wasn't she involved in that whole Harvey Weinstein thing, or was that Bill Cosby? Um, yeah, she was involved in, in Bill Cosby. Bill yeah, it was. Cosby. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, Bill Cosby. Yeah, she was. She was one of his uh, most outspoken uh, critics uh, yeah. before everything. Well, I didn't like, know that. like she's been talking about this for years. Yeah. Yeah, I. I uh, um, I actually I went and saw uh, like this happened like. I'd say a few years before like that whole story broke, but I saw Bill Cosby. I I paid to see Bill Cosby do stand up. I was a huge it's, Bill Cosby fan. It's it's a shame because like he's such a big component of the history of comedy. Yes, you know? it's like, yes. It's like we're just gonna have to add, we're just gonna have to rip that page out. <laughs> I know, yeah. dude. If you if you watch uh, the the Jerry Seinfeld documentary uh, titled Comedian, have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. I haven't seen it. No. There's a whole section in uh, in 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 that documentary. It's called Comedian, and it's a Jerry Seinfeld documentary. And and, and they basically they you know they they go over like his process and 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 stand up comedians and everything. And anyway, there's this this point where a bunch of these comedians sit down and they're talking about, and it's Chris Rock, and he's just like, oh my god, fucking Bill Cosby went out tonight, and it was just like all new material, he's just talking on stage, and Bill Cosby's just fucking making everybody laugh, like, Bill Cosby's the goat, he's the greatest of all time, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, it's like, you know, and back in the day when I watched Comedian, I was just like, holy shit, yeah, Bill, Bill Cosby, I remember watching Bill Cosby himself, and even... You know, like years later watching that, you know, 20 plus years later thinking like, this is a great standup act. This is fucking amazing. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. I can't, I, you know, and I, lo- I, I grew up watching the Cosby show, man. I can't even mm-hmm. go back. I can't, I, I can't even yeah. go back and watch the Cosby show any, uh, show mm-hmm. anymore. Um, oh man. And I, I don't know if you see on YouTube, but there's a lot of excerpts from the show that just seem very eerie compared to you know, what happened oh, in, no. in subsequent years, like just things that he would say on that show that just now in this context sounds very, very creepy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm just, thank, thank goodness we haven't heard any fucking like really detrimental shit about like fucking like George Carlin and Richard Pryor. Cause that would break me as a, a human being. Cause we, yeah. are, we already lost, well, Louis, were, we already lost yeah. Louis CK. So that, you know what? What yeah. I try to watch. So I love. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of his show on FX, but I love his stand up. Like that was one. I was. I told my husband like, if he ever comes like into town, like we have to go see him. Then after you know all the allegations about him came out, they still had some of the specials like on Amazon, and I was just curious. I'm like, you know what? Like, can I still watch him? So I put it on, and in the like the first like five minutes, there's a masturbation joke, and I turned and I turned it off. I was like, nope, nope, can't, can't, can't watch. Just can't do it. It just, ugh. yeah, it's so, like, yeah. you know, there's there's this. I don't know. There's certain boundaries, man. It's like, it's like there's certain fucking boundaries. You don't, you don't like what he did was like the equivalent of like an unsolicited dick pic in in real time. Like you, yeah. you don't fucking yeah. do that. You don't yeah. fucking he, do the that. Fact that. He was joking. Up, and the fact that that was part, like he jokes about masturbation a lot. Like that is one of his main jokes in his shows. And so that just makes it even worse. You know? Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's so many fucking of these comedians that like, I love, I love David Tell. 
I love Bill Burr. Um, the you know like eh, fucking Richard Pryor, George Carlin. Um, there's so many of these guys, and it's just like, and then Bill Cosby was up there for me for a long time. Yeah. I, I love Bill Cosby. I love to stand up. I love this show, and just this. And Louis C.K. is funny, and I just like just to see these guys. Oh God. Just, just to know yeah. what they fucking did, just is yeah. it's terrible. So yeah, the Cosby stuff. It's like there's just so much out there too. Yeah, and, and sadly, a lot of people were aware of it too, and kind of kept mum. Um, yeah, I rem- not to stay on the subject much longer, but I, yeah. I met a, a woman about 15 years ago. Who, uh-huh. Like she was older, like in her 60s or so, and she was a, a former um, Playboy playmate. Um, but you know, she's older in her sixties and she told me like, I want to say in like 2005, she said, you know, who was the craziest at those parties in the seventies? Bill Cosby. You're like, no. <laughs> my, and my mind was blown because I could not imagine. That. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts, dude. Oh, that's crazy. Mm. Let's, uh, let's move away from this weird. <laughs> and who is Pete Davidson dating? No shit! Oh my what god! The they're wearing. I'm looking at this picture and like they're wearing like matching outfits. Yeah, he's part of the family now. Good god! Ah, uh, it's fucking nuts. Um, I guess like is that is 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 going from Kanye to Pete Davidson the ultimate revenge? <laughs> <laughs> well, he 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 definitely must make her laugh. I mean, it has to be something going on. There. I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Ah, good on you, Pete Davidson. Jesus. <laughs> all right, guys, let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's the leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Pete Davidson putting his penis in Kim Kardashian. <laughs> do you think? Do you, dude, do you think that like like he said one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind as he fucking slid his dick inside her vagina? It had to have been some kind of ceremony, right? There had to have been a ceremony. <laughs> How many, like, somebody got sacrificed. I'll tell you that much. Like, he had to cue, like, the THX, like, theme. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. Yeah, I actually, I, (laughs) hold on, let me see if I, (laughs) let me see if I could actually pull that up. Penetration. <laughs> I just imagine fucking Ed Harris like in Houston, like we have penetration. <laughs> oh gosh, Apollo nine inches. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God, Pete Davidson. God bless. Uh, 
news uh, news from ComingSoon.net. Mel Gibson to direct Lethal Weapon 5, uh, the latest and potentially final, according to the report entry. I thought Lethal Weapon 4, back when I saw that shit in the theater in 1998, oh. I thought that they were too old for that shit back then. Didn't that, ha- <laughs> I know. Didn't that have Jet Li in it? Had Jet Li and Chris Rock, and, and Danny Glover's been too over this shit for like 30 years now. Dude, Dan- you know how Danny Glover is younger in lethal weapon than I am now, I believe. Oh. How, uh, hold on. I'm going to type like this 40? in. How old was Danny Glover in lethal weapon? Danny Glover's character is 50 years old, uh, 50 years old in the movie, but Glover was only 40 years old in 1986. <laughs> yeah. I am three years older than Danny okay. Glover. In, in fucking, in, in, in Lethal Weapon. Okay, mind blown here, too. Like, th- were people just older back then? Because, like, I'm looking at, like, Carl Winslow and, like, and fucking, um, um, Family Matters. And he was, like, 30, he was, like, 33. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's weird. I think, yeah, Hollywood, the way that they would cast people, like, Ted Danson in Cheers looked like he was in his 40s. And yet he was yeah. like in his thirties, <laughs> and like uh, there's some of these men like that are in, like, that are prominent in the eighties that just like looked so much older. Uh, like uh, what's his name? Uh, Magnum PI. Tom Selleck. Tom yeah, Selleck. He always looked older. He always yeah. he always looked like forty. I feel like for the longest time, like he just looked like. Like, or no, like he looks like 45, like he was like mid 40, mid to late 40. Yeah, like perpetually ever. old. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bill Murray too. Like, like he was only yeah. in his early 30s in Ghostbusters. Right. He looked like he was maybe 40. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, crazy. That's crazy. Oh, uh, what? Pete Davidson, are you going for a second round? <laughs> Oh, he is? <laughs> Come on, Pete. Recharge. Oh, shit. Pete Davis, he just went Super Saiyan. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I never watched Dragon Ball Z. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, god damn it. The, the ghost of Marilyn Monroe just got plowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like, uh, Mel Gibson to direct Lethal Weapon 5. Um, uh, the, uh, action movie series was put into limbo after director Richard Donner, who had been behind the camera for all four previous films, passed away in July as he was attempting to get a fifth film off the ground. Lethal Weapon 5 has been in the works for some time now, uh, with Richard Wenk, uh, from the Equalizer films writing the latest draft of the script. According to the report, Gibson taking over was done so with the blessing of Laura Schuler Donner, the wife of the late Richard. Uh, Dan Lynn of Rideback is set to produce alongside Schuler Donner with Gibson also now attached as producer. Here's the thing. I am not a fan of Mel Gibson over the past few years. Um, and we can all say that, you know, we don't like some of his, and I'm not even going to say antics. I, I'm going to say just like, we're not a fan of like some of the, some of the, 
just I, yeah, his anti-Semitic behavior that was revealed to us yeah. years ago. I'm not a fan yeah. of that. And I'm not a fan of like watching Mel Gibson in anything currently, but there are times where like he'll show up in a movie and, um, you know, like the Frank Grillo film boss level and Mm -hmm. other things. And I, and I, and I loved that movie. I'm just not a, I'm not a Mel Gibson fan anymore, but I am going to say this and I'm, I'm not looking forward to Lethal Weapon 5, but. Mel Gibson's, for as much as a fucking shitbag as he is, he's a good director. Yeah. Great director. Yeah, Apocalypto is... Was was fantastic. Directed very well. He's a, he's a shit, he's a shitbag. And I know, like, years ago, like, there's, there, there was like this, a kind of like, um, Let's accept Mel Gibson's apology tour. And even Robert Downey Jr. came out with a speech, um, years ago saying, and it was like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was like this hug the cactus speech. Um, you could, maybe I I do not remember this at all. I talked about it years ago on the podcast, hug the cactus, Robert. Downey Jr. Mel Gibson. Let me type this in. Yeah. Stop hugging the cactus. Uh, Rob, with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and Mel Gibson. In 2011, Robert Downey Jr., who has spokenly, uh, who has publicly spoken about his struggles with alcoholism and, and substance abuse, once again spoke about how he got sober and who helped him. Um, that individual was Mel Gibson. Downey Jr. during an awards ceremony spoke of being in the grips of his alcoholism after the media world had turned its proverbial back on him. He spoke of how Mel not only took him into his home, fed him and gave him work, but gave him a few simple suggestions on how he could change his life. The suggestions including finding a higher power, getting honest with another person, finding some humility, and to stop hugging the cactus. He said once he did all those things, his life did begin to change as Mel had told him it would. The final thing Mel mentioned before Robert turned his life around was that he then helped the next guy who was suffering like he had. The next guy just so happened to be Gibson himself. And... Uh, What is the meaning behind stop hugging the cactus? To hug the cactus means the individual confronts life's hard knocks uh, head on for the purpose of getting over them as quickly as possible and move on. So stop hugging the cactus is to realize your problems are not unique. That hanging onto your past and all the guilt and shame, which is common, is doing you no use in the present moment and is actually hurting you as hugging the cactus would letting go is a huge part of finding recovery. Those are all great messages. Um, and so I think like Mel, I think like uh, Robert Downey Jr. Felt like this kind of like, um, debt was owed to Mel Gibson for being like the guy who took him in, fed him and during his, uh, you know, uh, struggles with addiction and shit like that. But, I don't know. It's fucking, it's Mel Gibson and he, and there's, there's certain things where it's intolerable. Like, 
racism. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I want, I want to believe that people can change, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't need it. And in general, this movie just like, it, it isn't, is this necessary? You know, like aside from the Mel Gibson stuff, is this movie necessary? Mm-mm. I think that's a bigger question too. Yeah, I don't think I don't think le- I don't think Lethal Weapon Four was fucking necessary. I never even like, saw we, it. Was Renee? I don't think anybody's dying too? for that. I saw Lethal Weapon Four in the theater, and uh, I didn't watch it. it Renee went, Russo was in three, I believe. Yeah, as well as yeah, well, yeah. Chris Chris Rock and and. Um, Joe Pesci Lee wasn't in and, four, right? Joe Pesci. Had, he was in, yeah, he oh, was in four. He was in four. Oh, was he? he I, and he had scenes with Chris Rock. Away. Yeah. Oh, because he stepped away from acting for a time, didn't he? He did, but it. He but, did. but he did not step away for four. He was. He was in four. Okay. And he stepped away for a long time. Did not come back until The Irishman. So that's yeah. Yeah. Whereas I feel that you know we needed that that palate cleanser as far as Ghostbusters Afterlife was, um, I don't think anybody needs another Lethal Weapon movie. Like, I mean, it's, are we dying to see these guys again? You know? No. I mean, like, this is like, dude, there's, there's nothing better than fucking like Lethal Weapon fucking like just, there's something about the character of Riggs in the like at least the first two movies where he's just like so unstable and and um uh reckless and yeah. you'd think that by he's not that guy anymore you're not like in his fucking like late 60s 70s like yeah. he's just not that guy anymore and there, if he is and if you are still that guy then you have yeah. you are a bad cop you haven't learned <laughs> shit right we're paying attention <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, yeah, yeah. I, there's something, there's, I don't know, I mean, I fucking, I love the first Lethal Weapon, I, I even like the second one a lot, mm-hmm. but, I mean, yeah, these characters have just gone through too much, I don't, I don't really care where they are in their fucking, you know, 70s, and by this time, <laughs> by this logic, they'd be retired, they'd be retired, yeah, what the fuck are they doing? Why are they? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why are they? What the, what the fuck? Geriatric police force. <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. Like I just don't understand. I don't care. I do not care about this. I do not care about this one fucking bit. Yeah. yeah. So I. Yeah, I don't need. Even if Richard Donner, you know, didn't pass away last year, I think it, didn't he pass away? He's like ninety years old. It was this year, I think. Was it this year yeah. in July? Yeah. Even yeah. if he didn't pass away, it's like I don't I don't need another I don't need a fifth fucking I didn't <laughs> I didn't need the fourth one. I saw that shit in the theater and I didn't really care for it. I Riggs fucking sucked in that movie too. <laughs> so Um Oh yeah, this is news that I pulled up. Kevin Hart playing different stroke star in new live in front of a studio audience special. I just caught this news today. Kevin Hart. This is what the article said. Kevin Hart's height is always a source of mockery for his fellow celebrities and friends. But for the next installment of live in front of a studio audience airing December 7th on ABC, he'll lean into that size to play an icon of eighties television. It 
while it seems like a mean joke to have Hart play portray Gary Coleman's Arnold, despite their clear divide in age with Hart at 42 and Arnold in his early teens during the height of the series, it isn't meant to be. Still, the comedian is joining some elite company on the live special that the network has put out on two prior occasions. Um see here. Prior installments uh, featured All in the Family, featuring Woody Harrelson, Jamie Foxx, and Marissa Tomei in the roles made famous by Carol O'Connor, Sherman Hemsley, and Gene Stapleton. The second installment added good times to the mix, but the latest edition might push the comedy to its brink. John Lithgow will join Hart as Mr. Drummond. <laughs> well, um, hold on. While Damon Wayans will play Todd Bridges, Todd Bridges' character Willis. Wow. <laughs> Different strokes will air alongside a live episode of Facts of Life with the cast yet to be revealed. So we're gonna get we're gonna get a, a new Mrs. Garrett, a new Tootie, a new Blair. Oh my God! We're gonna get a new Joe. Uh, a new Natalie. Yeah. Um, and, oh, we know that Anne Dowd from The Handmaid's Tale and The Leftovers will play Mrs. Garrett. Shared between two performances. Cause you gotta remember, Mrs. Garrett was, was originally on different strokes as their maid. And then she moved over onto the series Facts of Life. So Ann Dowd is going to yeah. be... Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Kevin Hart is going to be playing Gary Coleman. <laughs> oh, my God. John Lithgow is Mr. Drudgers. Oh, my God. John Lithgow is Mr. Drudgers. Do you think they're going to be doing... Like, what episode are they going to be doing? Because they're going to be recreating a certain episode. Yeah. I don't know. Um... What's one of the iconic ones? Well, I, the first one is 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 yeah. is definitely remembered. I the the Dudley rapey <laughs> bicycle shop owner episode is yeah, pretty iconic. There's the episode. There's the episode where Kimberly gets abducted by a guy who wants to who's a pedophile. That's an episode too. Um, they were dark. Uh, there was the Say No to Drugs episode where they had yes. Nancy Reagan on. I remember uh, that one. Man, I want to watch this show now. <laughs> I'm so watching this. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that I haven't watched the All in the Family with Woody Harrelson and the Good Times episode yet either. I need to, I you think, I, I think they're on Hulu still. They aired on ABC. They aired on ABC, but ABC is owned by Disney, and Disney right. has Hulu, and they a lot of the ABC stuff goes to Hulu next day. Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing these on Hulu. I just never watched them. So, good times. Who played? Uh, who played Jimmy Walker's character? Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Damon Wayans is going to be playing Willis. That is. We're gonna we're gonna see Ke- we're gonna see Kevin Hart say, "What are you talking about, Willis?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's Dana Plato? Uh, I don't know. They I, I don't think they announced that. Yeah, who's playing uh, Kimberly? 
I don't see that here in the uh, in the article. But yeah, December seventh. December seventh. Uh, so yeah, I'll be watching that. I'm gonna. I'm a hundred percent gonna be watching that. I was a. I was a huge fan of Different Strokes when I was a kid. Like that was must watch TV for me as a child. So I'll definitely be watching that one. Uh, yeah, it's fucking crazy. Let's uh let's move on into uh Marvel news this week. Marvel news. <laughs> Marvel news. Um, (laughs) 50 Shades and the fall star Jamie Dornan tells the New York Times he's intent on joining superhero projects and has met with Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige. Did you guys hear about this? No. Yeah. Dornan, who scored raves earlier this year for his work in Barb and Stargo to Vista Del Mar. I just talked about him in Belfast. Uh, he says he's becoming a parent and losing his father has seen him reassess his priorities Quote, I'm more ambitious than I've ever let on before. It's like a necessity to deliver and provide. Very caveman-esque. I must succeed for those precious little people. Also, since my dad died, it's lit a fire uh, within me, this extra burner of wanting to succeed. That's not all, though, as Michael Keaton has also talked about. That's not all. Uh, oh, yeah, so basically, yeah, I'll get to that next thing here. It's a separate story. But, uh, yeah, Jamie Dornan has uh, met with Kevin Feige about uh, being in a Marvel project. What do you think, guys? Uh, major character or, I don't know, something oh, smaller? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, who would you want him to play? Like, I've got a couple people here in mind that he could possibly um. play. Okay, so let's see where is he? He's is he British? What's that? Is he British? It doesn't matter. Benedict Cumberbatch is British, and he's playing Doctor Strange. Tom Holland too. Tom Tom Holland as well. But I I think if they do cast a Captain Britain, it's going to be a Brit. Henry Cavill has expressed interest in playing Captain Britain. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I. I don't. I was. I, think, know, I wish we do an alternate timeline thing, like in What If, and you know, Peggy Carter with Captain Britain. I wish. I mean, I'd love to see that live action, but yeah. yeah but I, I think we are. I think we're. I think we're going to get that live action. I really do. Yeah, oh, Peggy, they're, they're oh, really Peggy Carter, up, Captain yeah, Britain. I think, I think that's it. where. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where they're going. I think like, you know, like Henry Cavill saying it is like one thing, but it actually happening is another. Um, but I think we are going to get live action. So is he definitely no longer Superman? We, I, they still haven't come out and said anything, but it, okay. does it feel like they're yeah, doing he, anything with him? I mean, that baffles I'm, my mind. It's like there's so many projects in the works, but they don't think Man of Steel 2 is necessary. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand that. Yeah. I don't, well, like, yeah. Like we got a second... Even though it was good, it's like we got a second Suicide Squad movie before a second Superman movie. Like, in what world do we live in? Well, and then, you know, we couldn't even get him to cameo in the Shazam movie. Right. 
I don't know. Something's going on over at WB. I was thinking that Jamie Dornan would he could play a uh, maybe a maybe a good Scott Summers Cyclops possibly. A good Cyclops. I think they're going to go really young though with the with the X Men, don't you think? Yeah, they they could. I, I mean, are we going with the original team of you know Iceman? It's hard to and, say, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't I can't see them not wanting to give us you know some of the Chris Claremont Ooh, Magneto. Magneto, Jamie Dornan as Magneto. Yeah, I can see that. I was also thinking maybe always, if they if they yeah, didn't get uh, John Krasinski, he, they might be looking at him as maybe the new Reed Richards. We're you know, uh, we're getting a Fantastic Four movie for John from John Watts. So I could too. Um, or he could be a villain. Mm. Yeah, Doctor Doom. Yeah. Oh, actually, he would be. He could be Doctor Doom. Yeah. He. Yeah. You're right. I just okay. So I hope that when they do do Doctor Doom, that they don't have an actor who needs to show his face all the time. Though, I agree. You know? Yeah. I would not be against them getting, uh, you know, uh, Ross Marquand who did, uh, red skull in Endgame, replacing Hugo weaving. Yeah. I wouldn't be against him fucking being Dr. Doom if they didn't want to, you know what I mean? They could show his yeah. face originally in the origin story and then he could play Dr. Yeah. Doom. I don't think Ross Marquand would have a problem being in a, in a mask. He voiced, did he? Did he also voice the Red Skull in the What If series too? Right? I'm not sure. I didn't watch all the Red, uh, all the What If series. June. Uh, I'm sure he did though. Ross Marquand. I love him in The Walking Dead. I'm a huge fan of him playing Aaron in The Walking Dead. So, one of my favorite characters in that series. Let me type it. Did Ross Marquand play <laughs> Red Skull in What If? Yeah, Marquand was also credited as voicing Red Skull and What If. Okay. Um, oh I mean, yeah. I no, I did watch that. He was in that first episode. Yeah. So what if uh, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Yeah, he was in that episode. So yeah, yeah. that was that was Russ Marquand. He'd be a good Doctor Doom. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Who's the actor that played Doctor Doom in the Hugo Weaving? That was Doctor Doom. No, uh, did you say? Did you say uh, Red no, Skull? Doctor Doom. Do- no, I was asking who played uh, Doctor Doom in like those. Um, oh, the same like, story Alba. Yeah, the Oh, Alba. that was the guy from the Nip guy Tuck. From the doctor. Yeah. That was the Nip Tuck guy. Okay, yeah, that's right. That, guy. and he's also in um, Runaway. Yeah, I'm looking up the cast of Nip Tuck. Yeah, he was in. The, remember, he was like the bad. He's the bad guy in the Runaways. Uh, the also Marvel Television. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> now we're just. I'm just googling names. <laughs> 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 Doctor Doctor Doom actors. Derek Derek Shepard is his name. Julian McMahon. Oh yeah, that's him. Yeah, that was the other. Yeah. Guy. Yep, yep. Julian McMahon. I, I mixed up my doctors. And the then, and then in the uh, the uh, the new Fantastic Four movie, it was Toby Kebble from Servant, and he was also he played uh, the villain in the uh, Planet of the Apes movies. Mm. 
I didn't actually never watch that the Michael B. Jordan Fantastic Four. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, I, I mean, I heard it was awful. I mean, the other two, you know, were not very good either. Oh, they're, they're, I'm really looking forward to uh, the re- the Fantastic Four reboot. Me too. Um, Are you? Like, uh, I, I, it's John Watts, though. Does John, John Watts? John Watts did No Way Home, and it looks. I mean, it looks like it's going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. the first. I don't know. John Watts is just like uh, the, and I know people love Homecoming and and uh, Far From Home. I, I thought that they were fine. He's just he's just, well, was better. he's just not like he's a like when you think he's a very of very subtle director. Yeah, when you think like, of like he has he has no signature or anything. That's what I'm saying. Like Peyton Reed with the Ant Man movie, Peyton Reed same is, thing. Yeah, like I like when I think of like no, I, I, when I think of Guardians of the Galaxy, I definitely think like those movies are definitely James Gunn. And I think of like Ragnarok, like, in, like that's Taika Waititi. When I think of John Watts. I think of him as like the fast food of directors. Like he's the McDonald's, <laughs> he's the McDonald's director. You he's know, Peyton Reed's a little director, bit like that too, know? though. Peyton Reed's a little bit like that too, though, because like one of the special features on the Infinity War Blu-ray is um like a director's roundtable. So like you've John Favreau, like so you have almost all the directors of all the films. Like yeah. you have John Favreau, Joss Whedon, um, you know the Russo brothers, uh, James Gunn. Ryan Coogler, and then like it, it's all, and then you had like Peyton Reed, and it was kind of like one of these is not like the other. I'm, I agree with you, Peyton Reed. <laughs> Peyton Reed. I think it's Peyton Reed and John Watts. Peyton, like John Watts is McDonald's, and Peyton Reed is like Burger King. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just. Well, I think that's kind of why Marvel goes with them so often because it's like they're. I think they're like the studio directors like they're going to get the job done yes it's not going to be the best thing you ever seen but they're going to get it done they, 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 these dr- other stuff they're these help set up yeah. the next door movie or something these yeah. directors are serviceable they're going to do it house style yeah yeah i agree yeah, with they're you. not going to be chloe Zhao like arguing with the, <laughs> the studio head, so. <laughs> right right, so, like, right. Edgar Wright, like, we need more Edgar Wright situation yeah that same Ashley was so right. She was like, I felt so, she was like, I felt so bad for Cersei, like, on the rocky beach. I'm like, I, yeah. They look like, like miserable. I felt bad for Gemma Chan and then making her fucking character so fucking boring. That's what my husband said. My husband goes, she really just kind of ran around looking worried. I love Gemma Chan. Until the end. I love I Gemma too, Chan. She didn't do a lot in this She did was not do a lot in that movie. Fucking, yeah. She was boring as shit. She just, she just had this worry. Basically, he goes, you have this person who's supposed to be like the leader. And she just, for almost all of it until the end, that last battle scene, she just, she just stood around looking really worried the whole time. I don't know a lot of things, but I do know that probably in a year, Pete Davidson will be fucking her. So Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> One hundo. <laughs> Uh, yeah. More news uh, from Dark Horizons here. Uh, this is, oh my god, this made my week. Delroy Lindo joins Marvel Studios Blade. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that earlier today. Yeah, uh, just watched this guy uh, recently in The Heart of They Fall, which uh, I I think is a fantastic western film that we reviewed last week. Uh, Delroy Lindo joins Marvel Studios Blade 
Acting legend Delroy Lindo is in final negotiations to join Mahershal Ali in Blade. Uh, the Blade character is a human-vampire hybrid whose mother being bitten and killed by a bloodsucker during childbirth he now he's the daywalker. He hunts vampires. The role was previously played on screen pre MCU by Wesley Snipes with Ali taking on the role for the new film. Ali did a voice cameo in the role uh, in a post credit scene of Eternals. Lindo's role is unknown, but he marks the first piece of casting outside of Ali. And so uh any guesses here? I'm saying there's a good chance. Could he be the new Whistler? He could be. Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing, but, um, it would be pretty apropos if that was, uh, Snipes. Wesley Snipes. I yeah. was hoping, listen, dude, with the fucking multiverse being a fucking thing, I'm hoping they can fucking get Wesley Snipes in some good shape here and we could have two blades fighting side by side in the multiverse. Yeah. You think you would see that in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? Not in the Multiverse of Madness, but once the Multiverse has been bust wide open, I don't see that they're going to be doing away with the Multiverse anytime soon. We could have, if they introduce Snipes as Whistler, which I have actually said in the past, Tristan, like, I was like, oh man, you know, you know, uh, Chris Christopherson was the Whistler in the Blade movies. Wouldn't it be cool if fucking Snipes was the Whistler in, in these movies? I, st- if they get Delroy Lindo as Whistler in these movies, that would be dope. But if they could somehow yeah. use the multiverse to bring us like fucking like old school Wesley Snipes Blade fighting side by side with Mahershal Ali as Blade in a future movie, dude, fans would lose their fucking shit. Just like we're all going to lose our shit when Toby and Andrew show up in Spider-Man. If fucking, and you got to understand like, Blade came out in 98 when nobody was touching fucking comic book movies. Like Blade, Blade like reignited the, like if it wasn't for Blade, we wouldn't have got X-Men. Right. People yeah. forget I that. Mean, People forget that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was like, I mean, I guess, guess because he's not like a standard, you know, um, superhero uh, as far as you know, the ones that we grew up with, but like, that was a Marvel character that, yeah, that definitely was on the right track before X-Men. Right. X-Men 2000. Um, a lot of people fail to give it credit. I think that was like, I think it really helped out Marvel during that time too, because they weren't doing too well. Financially. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. They were that movie. Bad. Was, that movie. And was, if that, that movie would have tanked, I mean, we could have not had the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. You know I mean, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't know, man. I think like I think there's a good chance. I don't think it's going to be in the first Blade movie, but I think if the multiverse is something that they're still working with, I don't see any reason why not that they couldn't have um, um, Wesley Snipes like show up, you know, as Blade in a future movie alongside Mahershala Ali. I think it could happen. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, but yeah, we'll see. I Delroy Lindo. I think I I. It'll be interesting to see, like, who could he be playing in this movie? I, I'm saying Whistler, but he could just be like, who knows? He could be like a a police officer investigating some of these murders that are happening. You know, we don't know, you know? Yeah. 
One of the best performances you would see by an actor is, is Delroy Lindo in The Five Bloods. Like, he was amazing in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was, like, that was just a, an incredible performance. He was definitely the standout performance in that movie. And that movie was really yeah. good. He was really good in that movie. Yeah. 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 Another, oh, God. Chadwick Boseman. Another Chadwick Boseman movie. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, by the way, did you guys know Simi Lou is hosting Saturday Night Live tonight? Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw him posting mm-hmm. that. He's going to host, yeah. Yeah, tonight. Um, and then last week, it was John of the Majors. Yeah, I saw that. I'll have to watch that. But yeah. I haven't, I watched, I knew I haven't Sim- watched any yeah, of the I new season. I knew Simi was playing, but um, I didn't know when. It was tonight, though. It was crazy. I haven't watched mm-hmm. any of the new season yet, and I've heard like some of the new cast is really good. They are, yeah. So, Bowen Yang yeah, they do is probably Bowen Yang is probably the best addition. Hmm. Uh, um, well, he is fantastic. Yeah, he's good um, in general. Like they, like there's not a weak component on that cast. It's a pretty pretty solid cast. I feel Keenan Thompson feel is still on there. <laughs> yeah, I feel the writing kind of the writing kind of lets me down sometimes, but like the cast is phenomenal. But they do have, like, three writers, and I don't know if it's every episode, but, like, I remember for, like, the first episode, they do, like, these little digital shorts, and they're really young. I mean, these guys are, like, 25 years old, right? They're super young. They're not part of the cast, though, but, like, they did a really fun sketch about, like, these hard seltzers, like, how everyone is coming out with one. And so they keep (laughs) pulling it, like, like Budweiser, like, Natty Light has one, right? So then they, like pull out one it's like desk hard seltzer or table hard seltzer <laughs> it was a pretty funny sketch so yeah yeah i forgot to put this at the top of the show and i'm thinking about it right now so i better say it right now i don't know who did it but one of our listeners they listened to episode 401 one of our listeners sent me the santor ornament from Archie, from Archie McPhee. I got it in the mail this week, and whoever sent that, thank you so fucking much. It is fucking, it is glorious. I don't know if either of you listened to that episode, but it was me, Joe Stark, Jake, and- I was on that. And, oh, you were on that episode? I think so. 401, you said? It was 401. It was me, Neil, and Joe. And we were talking. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe I maybe I was in Portal Two. You you get so wrapped up in this show, you actually feel like you're a part of every episode, don't you? Yeah. Don't you, Tristan? Red pill or blue pill? Yeah, I don't know which one. <laughs> but someone sent me. I don't know who it was. Someone sent me the Santor ornament, and I want to thank that person, whoever sent it, because I, dude, it was fucking crazy. I came home and. Uh, I saw a package uh, on the porch, and uh, every once in a while I'll get like an Amazon package or whatever. But I saw a package, and on the outside of the box it said Archie McPhee, and I just started laughing because I knew what was inside. And I opened it up, and there it was, the Santor ornament. And I don't know who sent it to me, but whoever sent it to me, thank you so much. It is fucking awesome. I absolutely love it. So thank you for the Santor ornament. This, this show is amazing. Doing this show, I can't. <laughs> it, just, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that I I talk about the Santor ornament and then within like three weeks it's on my doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, oh, real quick before before we exit uh, the Wesley Snipes and uh, uh, Blade talk, he was in an interview. Wesley Snipes is doing an interview with uh, Yahoo, and he actually offered. Uh, advice to Mahershala Ali. He said, make sure you're in shape, man. Make sure you're in shape. I know he's talking about Blade 3. <laughs> Why? What happened in Blade 3? He was not in shape. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, I mean, was he, like, he was, was it just like he hadn't, was it just the athleticism that was off, or like, had he actually, like, gained weight? Like, he, I don't think I've ever seen, like, Wesley Snipes, like, pudgy or anything. He, well, watch Blade 3. It's, oh my they, gosh, really? They try to hide it, but he is not in shape. He's not like, he's not like, um, Martin Lawrence post Martin, but he's like, he's not in shape. I don't, do you remember how, do you remember that, Tristan? How in Blade 3 he was like, not okay, in Okay, so, so check this. I have never seen Blade Trinity because mm-hmm. I, I heard, I, I didn't even, I didn't even bother with it. I love the first two, but I've never seen Blade Trinity. Blade Trinity has. I've only seen the first one. Ryan Reynolds is in Blade Trinity. So is Patton Oswalt. And I think, I think, I think Patton Oswalt is in better shape than. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I never saw, I only saw the first Blade movie, but yeah, I just, I guess every time I think of Wesley Snipes, um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't ever. I can't. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen like an image of him where he's like a little pudgy or whatever. <laughs> he's just. He's wow. not in shape. He doesn't have like a, a lot of the kind of like um, sleeveless scenes that he did in the first two movies. First, yeah. 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 He's not in shape for Blade <laughs> Trinity. So. <laughs> He did. I'm just imagining him just wobbling as he runs like freaking Tracy Morgan in Blade of Time. <laughs> oh, Snipes uh, explains that he's uh, spoken with Ali and uh, there is no blad- bad blood on his end. He said, we spoke. The issue of him being cast wasn't between us. I'm cool with that. I don't walk around as Blade, so I'm not attached to the character like that. I feel no emotion loss, emotional loss, zero, and I'm happy that he's be- being recast and will more than likely do a great job. So, yeah, Wesley Snipes is cool with Mahershala Ali. They've talked. Um. Oh, Spider. Yeah, go ahead. Wait, when's that Spider to come out? Blade, the Blade, the new Blade movie. Do we have a release date for Blade? I think twenty twenty four or something, right? They say twenty twenty two. As I'm doing my Google search here, twenty twenty three. Yeah, but I. it's supposedly coming to theaters on October 7th of 2022. That is not in, I don't think that they can hit that date. No, because they, they haven't even started filming, have they? Uh, they haven't started yeah. filming. I don't know if they yeah, can. They I, don't, I, I think they even re, revised the script or something like yeah. that. I think I, like they oh, even wow. had script issues. I yeah. think they like that date because it's vampires, it's Blade, it's Halloween time. Right before, yep, right before and, Halloween. Yep. That shit ain't going to happen, especially with the, mm-hmm. with, the, with, with, with the Black Panther Wakanda Forever production going on yeah. hiatus now with Letitia Wright's fucking injuries and shit. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, I, they pushed back a bunch of movies. A I bunch of movies. You, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness got pushed back a few months. Again. Oh, yeah. Again. From March yeah, to, I think, in I'm the summer. Concerned. I'm concerned about the whole Blade thing because, you know, Mershaw Ali, like, as much as he's a great actor, he's, like, in his late 40s. 
And so, you know, he's not martial. He's not, he's not, he's not a martial artist. Um, so, okay, he's going to be great, I, I'm sure. But, like, how this Blade's a very physical character and he doesn't wear a mask, you know? So, yeah, yeah that's what I'm a little concerned about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's really got to fucking bring it, man. Cause like, we can, I can say whatever the fuck I want to about Wesley Snipes in the, in the third movie, but man, he fucking brought it for those first two. And when, when he gets in shape, he, he does bring, man, I, I, dude, the fucking second major league movie where they recast him, I was just like, that's not, that's not the guy that I fucking love from Major League. Oh, they replaced him with Omar Epps. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, too, because, like, they look like they could be brothers, but it's like, man, this guy got the job simply because of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking nobody's Willie Mays other than fucking yeah. Wesley Snipes. That's the truth. Um, yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home News. From one take news dot. <laughs> Hold on. Their, their website is so amateur. One take news dot wordpress dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, one take news could just not pay an extra, I don't know, whatever it takes to get WordPress out of their fucking. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. I don't even want to. for the dot com. Yeah. Dude, even Pop Culture Leftovers is a dot com. <laughs> popcultureleftovers.com we don't have no I could have fucking taken the fucking easy route and been like popcultureleftovers.wordpress.com fuck that no I'm gonna pay I'm gonna pay for the goddamn domain I paid for the da- the damn domain I paid for the You're damn domain you starting to sound elitist I <laughs> <laughs> no I just I pay for the I pay for the domain every year Tristan I want to take I do <laughs> I do <laughs> I do one <laughs> OneTakeNews.wordpress.com. Get the fuck out of here. I was watching recently where there was a joke. It was like you couldn't even splurge for the dot com. Like really. And I don't, I cannot think of what I was watching, but that was like an ongoing joke about how like the, it was like a dot net. I'm, I'm blown away by the dot nets. I am like coming soon dot net and uh, making Star Wars dot net. I'm blown away that they just didn't fucking splurge for the dot com. Just do the dot com. (laughs) Do the dot com. Everybody does dot com. Why don't you not do a dot com? Well, usually the dot net is because the dot com was taken by someone. That's usually the reason for getting the dot net. And yeah. maybe maybe someone's asking for like a thousand dollars to give it to them or something. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. They uh one take news dot wordpress dot com rolls off the tongue. <laughs> they had an article about <laughs> <laughs> they had an article about Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, you've probably seen this item in the merch and magical shield shooting out of it. Well, we've learned what it is and how it works. So they're talking about the new magical, uh, magical web shooter that we see in Spider-Man, uh, the gold and black suit that we see in Spider-Man No Way Home and this, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Strange magic imbued, uh, kind of like forearm part of this suit. They say, we've been told that at some point in the film, Doctor Strange turns the Iron Spider nanotech web shooters into a magical bracelet of sorts. Something interesting to note is that this bracelet, which can be attached to any of the Spider-Man suits, and we see him use it on the black and gold one and the integrated suit. Peter can use this bracelet to teleport villains into the multiversal prison. 
He uses this magical web shooter for a short time, but after Peter defies Doctor Strange, uh, but before the whole train sequence, Strange takes away the device and we don't see it again. Hmm. So yeah, basically, you know, we watched uh, Ghostbusters this week, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and they have the... Uh, um, uh, uh, the ghost trap that they use to trap the villains. This is kind of like a multiversal villain trap. Doctor Strange gives them, so he can mm-hmm. he can put them in that cube that we've you know seen in the in the trailers. This device will then transport them into this multi-dimensional prison, and. uh they say that uh, he has it for a short time, but after Peter defies Doctor Strange, um, Strange takes it away. I am buying all this. I'm I'm buying all this. Um, I'm actually I'm I'm on the I'm on the verge of actually putting out a Spider-Man No Way Home spoiled podcast. I believe that I do have um, pretty much most of the movie kind of figured out at this point. I'm thinking about maybe putting out a spider-man no way home spoiled podcast this is definitely part of it um well so are you liking what you're hearing then oh yeah 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 i am liking what i'm hearing um okay um and none of what i'm about uh, if i do get into any kind of like spoilers right now with you guys i don't know if they're spoilers or not or if it's just or if it's just rumors I don't know if it's spoilers or not or rumors because I, I don't know 100% exactly what's going to happen, but I think I know what's going to happen. But I am looking mm-hmm. forward to the movie. I do 100% think that Toby and Andrew are going to show up in the movie. I think you have to be crazy to think that they're not. Well, yeah, but if you're going to have, you're pulling, you know, you know, Dr. Um, Octavius in, and then is that Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. like, as Green Goblin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. it just—it doesn't make any sense that you pull all the villains in and at least not have some kind of appearance from those Spider-Men. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's more believable too that okay, Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. Um, okay, but three Spider-Men versus the Sinister Six—that sounds like a a more balanced fight, you know? Yeah, um, and especially just it would just be awkward if if Tom Holland battling other people's villains, you know, by himself. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just can't see that. Yeah. No, I just want yeah. Matt Murdock to show up. Oh, he's going to. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm so gosh. excited and about Charlie that. Charlie Cox is Matt Murdock. I am, no, he's showing up. I'm 100% sold that uh, Charlie Cox is going to be showing up in the second post credit scene. I would love oh, that. Oh, you don't think it's going to be in the film? I, 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 if you were to ask me a few days ago if he was going to show up in the film, I would have told you he was going to show up at the end of the movie. If you were to ask me if he's going to show up in the film three months ago, I would have told you he was going to be at the beginning of the movie. Now I believe he's going to be showing up in the second post credit scene. And I don't, we're not going to see him with the suit, but he is going to open up a drawer that shows the Daredevil suit. That would, I, I, so that means that we get, um, Vincent D'Onofrio, Fisk, at some, somewhere, and yes. I love, and I just I fucking love that character. Vincent D'Onofrio as that character. I think Vincent D'Onofrio is going to first show up in the Hawkeye series. I think I've heard rumors that he's going to show up in three. Oh. He's going to show I up. Love that so much. Yeah, yeah, which comes out next possible. week. Comes out next that week. 
Yeah. Echo is related to Kingpin, right? What's that? So, I mean, the Echo, the character Echo that's going to be in Hawkeye is related to the Kingpin character. Yeah, well, he he trained her. Yeah. It's very much kind of like a, it's very much like a Gamora Thanos relationship. Like where her family, her family was kind of like taken out by like Kingpin and shit. And Kingpin raised her to be, you know, like this assassin. And what's, you know, so I, yeah, um, I think Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox are both going to be showing back up. I actually read this week. Binge watch this doc, uh, binge watch this on Twitter says they have an exclusive here. They have confirmed that Charlie Cox is locked in to return in four MCU projects. His own solo outing. They say he's going to show up in She-Hulk, which makes sense. She's a lawyer. Yep. He's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. They're also saying Echo. That makes sense. And Spider-Man No Way Home, which I firmly believe we're going to see Matt Murdock in the second post-credit scene. Who do I think is going to be in the first post-credit scene? Do you guys want to know now, or do you want me to wait? Yeah. Do you want to know now? I want to know. Yeah. I want to know. Go for it. Venom. Venom? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so you don't think Venom's going to be part of the movie? No, he's going to be part of the... Uh, I, I believe Venom, from everything I can piece together, is going to be part of the first post-credit scene. So they're drawing that into MCU. Yeah, it's happening. From huh. from everything I can, from everything that I can kind of piece together that's been put out there. Yeah, hmm. that's interesting. So oh, that that makes me so excited—the potential of having Vincent D'Onofrio back. Oh yeah, uh, as <laughs> me this. too. Oh my god, and and Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. I just okay, so- yeah. Yeah, so I know some people have some concerns that we can't get the same kingpin that we got in the Daredevil series. You know, the guy who's bashing someone's head into a car door, you know. But it's like, I think you can artfully be graphic, right? Because didn't frickin' um, Walmart Captain America bash a guy's head in? Yeah, he actually... Yeah. Well, I think the implication there is that... I thought the implication there was that he beheaded that uh, the Flag Smasher. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, so I thought like he like took can... the guy's head off. Yeah. I think after you see fucking you know, uh, dollar store Homelander bang Cersei in Eternals. God. <laughs> that we you can are get... right. He was a dollar store Homelander. He was. Right? He, yeah. Yeah. He... <laughs> Zero personality. That guy was a fuck. That guy's personality was a fucking wall. You know what I called him? <laughs> you know what I called him after that scene? I called him Dickerous. <laughs> <laughs> he was because he was none he was giving her the deep dick you're in i yeah okay Honestly, all right kumal nanjiani if kumal nanjiani and brian tyree henry if like those two had not been in the movie i would have tossed it oh god yeah but i like, love both but but i but both of them like they they save it from being a toss it for me. here's the thing like they they didn't they, they signed on um um, oh God, I can't think. I'm, I've been drinking. I can't think of her fucking name. Uh, she was in, uh, she played, uh, what's her fucking name? She was in Desperado. She was in, uh, oh, Selma Hayek. They signed her on for like three movies. But that's, 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 huh. that, well, here's the Flashbacks. thing. 
flashbacks or that's the thing with marvel they always sign people on for multiple movies it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that they you they're going to use them but it means that they might need them yeah for flashbacks so we may see her again we may not anytime you see the marvel cinematic universe in the past like hundreds of years ago they're going to shoehorn some eternals in there probably yeah yeah they definitely could um Dark Horizons also has an article, uh, Jeremy Renner to stick around as Hawkeye, question mark. <sighs> Take this with a grain of salt. They're basically, this, it's a quote from Jeremy Renner. He was out promoting the series, the new Hawkeye series, uh, that will see him pass the torch to Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. Mm. He tells the New York Times he is happy to stick around as long as Marvel Studios will have him. Quote, I can make that live for another decade until I just can't fit into the damn costume anymore. I'll do it till no one wants to see me do it. So he's saying, Mm. he's saying, I'll play Hawkeye for as long as you want me to fucking play Hawkeye. So do you think that, do you think that this is the swan song for Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye and they're going to officially pass the torch or do you think that there is more room for more Jeremy Renner Hawkeye? I mean, the character is basically, they're just starting to explore the fact that this character is going through hearing loss. And I think maybe, do you think that the hearing loss is caused because of the explosion in Endgame? The, the big explosion that happens. Like right oh, before. right after they snap everyone back, right? Yeah, and he's got to do like the whole run with the gauntlet. He's got to yeah. run the gauntlet. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't. You know what? I could actually. His, you know, with Haley Seinfeld, and then you know, clearly, I think what we're building up to a Young Avengers, right? Um, I can see maybe a sort of pseudo passing of the baton as in like she will take a more prominent role as the Hawkeye character I think but you I, I, I would I could see Jeremy Irish around the background you know like popping in maybe in some of the ensemble movies or whatever I don't know if he would get in another series yeah I just with, like about like based around him like solely like I could see a second season of Hawkeye oh great I mean we obviously haven't seen the show but just Look, watching the trailers and just seeing clearly, like she, this is his protege. I could see possibly the second, if there's a second season of Hawkeye, like it would be more more focused on her. I don't, yeah, I, I, I you got to take into effect like the, I, I think you got to take into into consideration how big of an actor Haley Steinfeld is right now. She's, you know, I, I think that she's, I think she's popular. In my in my yeah. personal opinion, oh yeah, I, I mean she and she got I, nominated for her role in True Grit. I loved her in True Grit. I don't think she's anybody to snooze on, and and I don't think that Jeremy Renner's anybody to snooze on. But I, I don't think that people have really connected with the Hawkeye character at all. They I think it. that's what this series is for, though. I do I think, too. I, I agree will, with you. I think yes. we will connect with them a little bit after this, and um, I think this is like Marvel's way of they kind of poke fun of it too, right? Like that he's not the most popular Avenger and all that. And I, I think after well, this, just Age like all of the Ultron other was full of yeah. that. Age of Ultron was full of like, you're so useless, Hawkeye. Yeah. And, and I feel that like, um, after this series is over, just like all the other series that we've seen, we're going to have a, a much greater appreciation for his character. 
I yeah, I think it'll really come down to how he is how his character is kind of like taken in this Hawkeye series cuz I think like if if this series can do for him I don't think the Loki series needed to do anything for Tom Hiddleston. I think we all love Loki. No, no. You know? No. We all love Loki going into this series. We were just like, holy shit, more Loki? Yeah, give me more Loki. Yeah, exactly. This okay, is that, that stamp that stamp of season two Loki and the credits, I went, Oh I think excited. this is like this is like put up or or fuck off for Hawkeye. I think like this, this could be Hawkeye's coming out party because like right now, I don't think people really give a fuck about Renner Hawkeye. And there might be some people that are just like, Oh my God, I love Renner Hawkeye. But I, I, I don't, you know, I never, I never hated the character. I never absolutely loved the character and thought like, Oh my God. Yeah. Hawkeye is the heart and soul of the Avengers. I've never, I've never. No, they tried so hard. Again, Age of Ultron. Yes. Try to push that. Yes. Really yes. try to push them by introducing us to his family. But did you all ever see the when Jeremy Renner has a Saturday Night Live way back when the first Avengers? Movie oh, came I remember. Out. Did you all ever see that? Yeah, I yeah. remember watching. Oh, with the, when he was with the Avengers, and then he was so useless. He goes, he's like, "Oh, dude, I'm out of era, so I'm just gonna go wait in the car." And they're like, well, "How many you bring?" And he's like, "Eleven." And they're like, "There are like hundreds of aliens invading New York." And he's like, "Yeah." And I killed 11 of them. And they say, like, well, go and, like, get some of the airs out of the dead aliens. He's like, oh, gross. That's, like, not sanitary at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so useless. I, I thought that Bobby, was pretty fun, too. I remember Bobby Moynihan was playing the Hulk. And the he, Hulk. Was like, he was like, Hulk feel like he's doing all the work here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good sketch. I like that one. Oh, I think Kate McKinnon was Scarlett Johansson because he's like, why are you guys like piling on me? Like, what does she do? And then she does this like sexy punch thing, and he's like, "Oh, okay, I see why he's keeping her around." Do you guys remember the sketch from the seventies SNL where they did Marvel characters and somebody played Ant Man? No. Oh yeah, uh, I know Garrett Morris was in that sketch. Who? Who played Ant Man? Oh, the, in... cla- the classic sketch, right? Like from way back. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, fine. Who played Ant Man in the seventies? Yeah, Garrett Morris in a cameo in Ant Man. Yeah, it was a. It was an old fucking. I remember it was like the like. It was an old uh, Serenity Life sketch in the seventies. John Belushi, I think, played uh, the Hulk. In that one, there's a, there's a very funny um, Saturday Night Live episode that came out after Superman died in the early '90s, and it's like Superman's funeral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yes, I remember, I remember that. that. Yeah, I remember Chris Chris Rock was playing Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Uh, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite, and it's like one of the only things they really gave Chris Rock on SNL. Do you remember Nat X? Nat oh, Axe, heck yeah. yeah. I love that act. A man so black, he squirts oil. <laughs> a man so black, he squirts oil. And then they're like, what, what they say? He, and he would bitch about how, like, he only got, the man only gave him 15 minutes <laughs> instead yeah, he of 30. Was, he, yeah, he was so underutilized in that show. He was. Like, he, he jokes, 
he jokes about it now. Like I remember um he came back to Saturday Night Live and someone was like, Oh, like um Hey Chris, I forgot you were on Saturday Night Live and he goes, So did the writers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was on one of the final seasons of In Living Color, too. Yeah, yeah. They what brought him on like, yes. after Jim Carrey left. Yeah. Um, they oh, brought on I never knew like, that. some new people, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's it's not the greatest season of Living of In Living Color, but like um Yeah, like those first few seasons of In Living Color are gold. Oh god, they were Jennifer so Lopez good. got her start as a fly girl. She did. She got her start as a fly girl. I oh god, fucking uh, Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans were just Damon Wayans, yeah, yeah, he's hilarious. That's um, that's why my ears perked when you David Allen Greer, um, David Allen Greer, uh, Keenan oh, Ivory. Oh, I love their sketch about the movie reviews. The two oh, gay men who God. did the movie reviews, yes, hated it, yeah. hated yeah, it. Hated oh, you you can't get away with some of this stuff now. Oh, there's I no way. Know. There's no fucking way. Yeah. Uh, Fire Marshal Bill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was the, there was a character that Jim Carrey played. It was only for one sketch and it was, he played a character that, ne- that it, it, he never got rid of the umbilical cord. He still had his umbilical cord attached. Oh my god. And he was like in the subway, right? I mean, I'd have to watch that sketch again. It was so funny. Um let's see here. I I got a couple more things that I wanted to talk about. Um Oh, yeah, just two final things I guess. Um Daniel RPK says that Sony is interested in making a live action Miles Morales movie. And he says that Electro slightly references him in Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't know if I believe that or not. Okay, so Electro is coming from a a different universe, a Miles Morales universe? I don't believe so. Is that what they're... That's what Daniel RPK is implying, but I don't think that that's the case here. But he definitely doesn't look like the electro amazing Spider-Man. He doesn't. He doesn't. I think, I think that the electro from that universe is using some sort of like different tech in our universe. Just kind of like, Mm. it looks like, um, Doc Ock takes on the nanotech. I think that maybe this electro is taking on some sort of like, um, Maybe some Stark tech or something, or maybe some Norman Osborn tech from the MCU. I heard that it is addressed why he is, why he is using like the, the yellow electricity though. I hear it is addressed in this. Yeah, they gotta address it. I think I have it in my notes somewhere. If I do, if I do a spoiler episode for Spider-Man, I'll talk about it. I just don't have it pulled up right now. Uh, big screen leak says that, uh, Mysterio is in Spider-Man No Way Home through archive footage only. So anybody thinking that we're going to get, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal reprising the role as the character, um, in anything new in Spider-Man No Way Home, this leak is saying that is not true. We'll only see him in archive footage. And they were also asked if Vulture was in the movie. 
you know, uh, Michael Keaton. Is Michael Keaton going to be playing Vulture in the movie? And um, they didn't respond to that question. So I, I don't feel that Vulture is going to be showing up in the movie at all. Especially because he's going to be in Morbius. He's going to be in Morbius, yeah. Yeah, they couldn't wait to tell you that he was in Morbius. So if he was in No Way Home, they would have probably let you know. Yeah. Um, Michael Keaton talked about Marvel this past week. He was on Jimmy Kimmel on Tuesday. He spoke about his work as Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming and the upcoming Morbius and revealed he shot scenes as Vulture on Wednesday but didn't specify for what film. I love Michael Keaton. Um, have you finished Dope Sick, Brian? I've watched the, the first finale. two episodes. I want to get back to it. Um, it's so good. Um, we watch, does, Michael, actually, you know, we were, does Michael Stuhlbarg get better? Because I couldn't stand him. And I love that I guy. I mean, no. He stays, he stays weird. God, he's weird. <laughs> he is so fucking weird in this show. But, um, like, when we, we watched the finale on, like, Wednesday, then my husband and I, like, we, at the same time, we were both, like, you know, Michael Keaton is, like, such an, un- he was such an underrated actor. Like, he's so good, but it hasn't been, I mean, Birdman was the one where people are like, oh, he's like a bona fide actor. Yeah, he's getting his dues now, you know. It's, it's yeah, so that's, that's what like, we're saying, though. Like, I mean, yeah, like, now yeah. he's getting his dues, but he, I mean, yeah. he's a good actor. I loved him in, uh, well, I've always been, you know, as a kid, of course, I loved him in Batman, but before Batman, I loved him in Gung Ho. I loved him in Beetlejuice and uh, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom, I loved Mr. Mom. Yeah. Oh, such a good movie. Um, I loved him in The Founder too, the the McDonald's movie where he played Ray Kroc. Oh, I never saw that. I I heard that was good though. Yeah, I saw that one in the theater. It's really good. You should watch it. Yeah. 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 Uh, he shot more scenes for something. He said on, on, on Kimmel on Wednesday. What could that be for? He's showing up again. What could it be for? Mm. What do you think? It has think? to be Multiverse of Madness. They're doing the reshoots right now, right? They are doing reshoots for Multiverse of Madness. And it could theoretically be something else, but I would guess it's probably that. What about more, more shit for Morbius? That doesn't come out till March. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's possible too. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I don't. How does he? How would he tie into multiverse? How would he tie into Doctor Strange? Um, just just because Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is going to be dealing with all these different universes, and I feel that the Spider Verse is going to be different after that. After these two movies, after yeah. No Way Home, and after. Uh, so no way Dr. home Strange. was so no way home was is supposed to, or that because you know everything got kind of wonky you know with COVID. Um, so I know they changed the order of when certain things were you know like Falcon and Soldier came out for Black Widow, mm-hmm. even though Black Widow was out before. So was Spider Man No Way Home always supposed to come out before Doctor Strange two? I think so. I think it was always supposed to come out before. Um, and I get the feeling that Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, like, that's going to be, like, the bonkers one. I think, like, that's where we're going to see all the crazy comparisons and, you know, other versions of people. And I wonder where Loki fits in, like, what happens in Loki, like, how that all fits into all this. Uh, I think that kind of jump-started the Multiverse of Madness. I mean, well, I you think, know, but I yeah. guess it, 
because I don't know like the com- like I don't read the comments. I'm just like after Loki, and then like seeing the trailers for like Spider Man at Home and knowing I guess a little bit about mm-hmm. Doctor Strange too. I'm like, wh- where does like how does all of this fit together? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be bonkers. It's going to be that's the cool thing about this little era right now is that literally like anything can happen and anyone can show up. Well, yeah, yeah. and then with Jonathan Majors. You know, with who he was in Loki, which is not, I guess, I guess is the same, but not the same character that he's playing in yeah, Ant Man. It's a different yeah. version. Yeah. He's gonna, we're going to be seeing a different version of Kang eventually. Yeah, so that's just like it's just it's like I'm like, good God, there's so much. Oh yeah, yeah. That is, I think that's all I got. I don't think I have anything else this week. Kevin Hart's going to be playing a child. <laughs> That's so weird. It's so weird. I just got to see it just just to hear him reciting those yeah, lines. Like I have to watch it now, right? Like yeah. I got to see him try to be teenager. Uh, there, there, oh, there's not many better theme songs than Different Strokes. Oh, that's one of the top ones, yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. Hold on. World don't move. (laughs) It's so fucking good. So are we just gonna act like we didn't watch Tiger King? I watch. Hold on. I watched like the. I watched the first. I watched the first episode. I got like maybe two minutes into the second episode, and I'm just like, I'm over Tiger King. I'm over Tiger King. (laughs) I don't care. It had it, it. It had its moment. Yeah. I don't, it's like. It really, what, it had its moment, and here's the thing. It had its moment, and it was very much a result of everyone having to be locked down in quarantine at the same time. Because when I watched the first episode, I had actually forgotten so much of it. Yeah. Right? Like, I actually was sitting there, like, I actually forgot. I was like, wait, why is Joe Exotic in jail again? Like, what exactly are the charges? Like, oh, that's right, because, you know, he was conspiring to kill carol baskin like but i like forgot exactly like what the charge was right like and like there were people that they kept and i was like oh that's right like i just remember being like i remember struggling to remember actual people in the show and exactly what their part was in the original like in the first season so yeah it very much was that was a spring 2020 thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it, yeah, the expiration date was a month later. Well, I mean, my issue with it is that it could be interesting, right? But if they had something to say, but it feels like they just don't, and they're milking this as best they can, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't care about Tiger King anymore. No. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, I just got a tweet from one of our listeners on Twitter, at uh, Danny K 5782 Goes by Darth Ewing, and I love I love your fucking profile picture. It's Darth Vader with a Patrick Ewing jersey on. Oh, that cool. is awesome. But uh, Darth Ewing says uh, it's an interview with Andrew Garfield, and it, and it says at the eight minute thirty one second mark uh, might explain why he unfriended why he friended and unfriended you on Facebook a few years ago. Andrew Garfield responds to fans on the internet. Let me explain this story real quick. 
years ago when we, uh, me and Jake, uh, we started PCL. I think it was maybe 2014, 2015. I can't remember. Let me explain this. This is weird. All of a sudden I get a notification on Facebook that, you know, you get notifications when you have a page on Facebook of, you know, new followers for your page. And it said, Andrew Garfield has followed you. And this was the PCL page. And so I was like, Andrew Garfield, oh, it must be just someone that fucking took Andrew Garfield's name and has made like this fake profile and they're going by Andrew Garfield. So I click on this fucking profile and it's all blocked. It's like a blocked profile, which celebrities do. There are celebrities that they'll have like their own personal page on Facebook, but like, like they, they will friend people. And the only, you know, the people that can interact with them on Facebook are like, you know, their friends and shit like that. And this is while he was still playing the character. So I tried to click on the profile. I couldn't, I couldn't see anything on the profile. And the, the, the profile pick was just like that fucking Facebook, you know, that outline of a person's head of a, mm. of a, of a guy's head. So I was like, is Andrew Garfield really fucking following us? Is this really Andrew Garfield? Uh, I told Jake about it on the next episode and then Jake proceeded to fucking piss on Andrew Garfield. <laughs> and then literally, and then like literally within like a week, Andrew Garfield like unfollowed PCL. <laughs> this Andrew Garfield profile. I have screenshots of the, I, on my phone somewhere, I have screenshots of the Andrew Garfield profile. When it, when this all happened, Darth Ewing here is saying at the eight minute 31 second mark of this, it might explain why Andrew Garfield unfriended and unfriended you. I'm going to click on this and I'm going to get the 831 yeah. mark. Hold on. Let me pause here. All right. I'm at the 829 mark. Let's see. Let's, will this explain if Andrew Garfield did indeed? At one time, follow Pop Culture Leftovers and unfollowed. Would this explain why Mr. Garfield did so? Let me hit play here. Garfield's so method for social network that he doesn't have any social media. I had a Facebook page for like a, a month and then we did that film and I instinctively just deleted it and everything else. I was like, I have a feeling. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that experience for many reasons, but also because it kept me off of um, that hellhole. What influenced Andrew Garfield huh. to become an actor? Did you guys catch that? Yeah. 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 So he had he had a he had a page for like a month and then he deleted it. Oh. Could that have Was been that the same period of time? I, I mean, it definitely could be. I will try to find those photos on my phone sometime this week. I've got them saved onto my Google Photos. I will try to find those and I will post them on the Facebook, on the Pop Culture Leftovers Facebook from, I think it was like 2014. And I took screenshots and I sent them to Jake and I was like, dude, Andrew Garfield is following us. Like, cause it was weird. Like if it was like, if it was somebody that fucking was pretending to be Andrew Garfield, why would they like, why would they fucking, 
they closed down their page to where you couldn't view anything on their page. It was like it was hidden. It was the weirdest fucking thing. And I know for a fact that there are some like celebrities and directors and stuff like that, that when their movies come out, they are definitely reading stuff out there online and they're definitely following people that cover their shit. I've had this happen. I've had, I've had, I've actually had on Twitter directors and actors reach out and, and thank me for watching their thing or, but nobody to the, nobody to the level of like a Andrew Garfield, but it could have happened. I don't know. Maybe Andrew Garfield at one time followed us on, on, um, on Facebook. I don't know. It could have happened. I don't know. I'm not saying that he did or he didn't. I don't know. It's wild. That is wild. Huh. It was super weird. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Maybe I'll, I don't know. Maybe this next week or within the week, the next week and a half or so, I might come out with a uh, Spider-Man No Way Home spoiled episode. People can listen to it or they don't have to listen to it. But I really do think that over the past, you know, couple weeks or whatever i think i have put together what i think is actually going to happen in the movie some of it there's a lot of it makes sense and some of it doesn't make sense some of the doctor strange (laughs) some of the doctor strange stuff does just does does not make sense there's a point in the movie where doctor strange just gets so fucking upset with peter parker that he just says fuck it you're on your own kid (laughs) and i'm just like what that's gonna happen in the movie are you kidding me okay all right whatever but uh hey june yeah thank you for joining this episode well thank you for having me on this was such a blast did you have fun did you really did you really have fun i did i had so much fun uh, are you, after this episode, are you strangely attracted for some reason to Pete Davidson? No. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you would. I, I was hoping you would say yes because no. <laughs> it, don't fight it, June. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, at the beginning of the episode, my asshole was puckered and clenched, and now it just feels a lot looser. <laughs> just just talking about Pete Davidson. Uh, yeah. So sooner or later, he's gonna get everyone. He's gonna get everyone. Uh, he's gonna get everybody. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I think like I think Pete Davidson uh, would would be the one to impregnate Earth to give birth to a celestial. At this point, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> um, June, where can people find you if they need more June in their life? Find me on Apple to Oranges, a podcast that I do with Jesse Candelori and Paul Hart. We cover Apple Plus original content. Check out Apple to Oranges. They're going to go deep dive. They're going to go deep dive into this shit. They're going to deep dive this shit like fucking Pete Davidson does with Kim Kardashian. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to deep dive into the vagina that you call Apple TV. Watch, watch the, like the news. Paul's gonna come out next week and be like, "News: Pete Davidson signs exclusive show for Apple Plus." No shit, no shit. He's fucking everything. He's gonna fuck Apple TV Plus next. Yeah. Tristan, people can't find you anywhere but PCL, but that's how I like it, man. Hey, you know what? I was on Apple to Oranges. Where are you? Yeah. Months ago with you guys, yeah. And I'm going yeah, to be on. 
Gonna be on with uh, Mr. Stark as well. Oh, you're doing a Starcast? Uh, next month, yeah. You're doing oh, a no, Starcast? No, 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 no. January, January, January. Like I did yeah. one. Yeah. I did one a couple a uh, couple weeks ago. That was fun. I started. I haven't finished your episode, but I have started it, June, and it's very good was, so far. It's so it, that was a lot of fun too. Joe's amazing. Joe's Joe's a great guy. I'm sure it peters out. Pete Davidson joke there. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it does not peter out. I'm sure it's fantastic, but I have started it. Uh, I look, I saw today on my feed that Joe Stark just released the Stephen Farsheet episode. So yep. definitely I'm going to be listening to that one as well. Love the Stark cast. Uh, but guys, yeah, thank you. We're going to be back next week. Going to be back next week. Got a lot. Oh my God. Got a lot going on next week. Um, yeah. A lot of shit I'm going to be covering next week. I'm going to be talking about uh, the Wheel of Time. Um, oh, my God. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Masters of the Universe Part 2 comes out on Netflix. Jesus The Beatles, uh, Peter Jackson documentary comes oh, out the get on back. Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. yeah. The Get Back documentary, yeah. I'm probably not going to be talking about that. Nobody wants I, – I don't know shit about that. Nobody wants to hear me talk <laughs> about the Beatles. <laughs> uh yeah oh the the resident evil movie comes out house of gucci comes out yeah oh, that looks good looks really and, good uh, we're going to see that on thanksgiving day i think i've got tickets to both the the resident evil and house of gucci you're seeing it on thanksgiving day i think that's what our plan is yeah so I'm excited. It looks really good. I I'm anti holiday. I don't do I don't I don't do the holiday shit like people do. I, I fucking hate I hate I hate the the Christmas get togethers and the holiday shit. I don't do that. More power to you if you do. If you get with your family and all that shit. I I'm anti holiday guy. I, I don't do anything. I really don't. I don't fucking I don't see family on Thanksgiving. I don't see fucking family on Christmas. I don't do it anymore. I'm done with it. Is that horrible of me? No, because it, it gets it gets stressful. <laughs> it gets you, sound, stressful. you sound like the villain in a Hallmark Christmas movie. I'm the Grinch. I'm <laughs> <laughs> more power to people that do it. I just I view it as a day off, and I need a fucking day off. And I don't I don't care. I don't care. Like my my sister is so cool. My sister gets it. She gets it that I am so anti-holiday and anti this bullshit. My sister will fucking come over. Well, what she'll do? Make you come over? She'll no. She won't make me come over. She don't fucking. She gets it. She don't want me to come over. I'll be a cunt if I come over. She knows I'm. (laughs) She knows I'm gonna be a cunt because I don't like that shit. She'll fix me a plate though on Thanksgiving. She'll be like, Brian, I got you a plate, and I'll fucking I'll come I'll come over. And it's like one of those things, like, it's almost like she slides the food through a doggy door. We never see, <laughs> we, <laughs> we never see each other or make eye contact. It's like one of those things where it's like, I will, I will show up, I will arrive, and then I'll just see a plate with tinfoil on it, and I'll get home, and that'll be, it'll be like Christmas and Thanksgiving all in one day, because I don't know what the fuck is under this fucking, oh, that's, that's fucking homemade egg noodles. <laughs> mashed potatoes a turkey over there did you fry the turkey it looks fantastic very juicy i like that oh my god that's a little bit of pumpkin pie that's the way that mom made it and i'm not spending today with mom either because she drives me fucking nuts but thank you for the pie so yeah it's uh 
I, uh, I don't, I don't do the holiday things. I, I, I just don't, uh, um, and more power to people that do. I just, and because, you know, you, you come from, you come, you come from a place where, where family means something. I come from a place where family has <laughs> made me the, yeah. the bitter and angry person that I am. So I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, I come from a Korean. My place is a Korean family that guilt trips you. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're terrible if you don't <laughs> show up at holidays. Well, oh God, June, that sounds like a nightmare. I'm so sorry. <laughs> kind of, you, no, yeah. it's like you can't. It's like either way, you don't win. If you nope. do, if you yep. don't show up, then they're gonna fucking guilt trip you. But when you show up, they still fucking make you feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what my sister and I, when we were planning, like, cause my sister is coming for Christmas and, uh, we're both like, okay, what day are we coming? And she's like, well, there's an earlier flight. I think I'm gonna take the later one because yeah. there's less time I actually have to be at home. Yeah, uh, I envy people. I envy people that want to spend time with their families. I yeah. will never understand it. I envy. <laughs> I you, right. I envy people though that when that like I envy people that like oh my god I haven't seen my, I haven't talked to my parents or seen my parents in so long and I miss them. It's like that is oh, so no, my, that is my so foreign has a to me. Relationship with his family. He talks to his parents like every day. I I don't understand. They have a good, great relationship, and I'm like this is so weird and foreign to me. I don't know. What this is. I'm right there with you, June. I am so right there with you. I don't get hey, it. I have a question for you guys. Have you ever been looking for like a Hallmark card or something for someone on a holiday or birthday? And you like look at it and you read it and you're like, I wouldn't say this shit to my family. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Oh, God. I envy people, though, that fucking like have these magical relationships with like their family members because I, I i will never i it just won't happen it just won't happen oh god uh, i can probably count the times on my fucking hands where i like have hugged my parents <laughs> so sad like i can like okay that's how many times we've hugged okay that's all uh, i've maybe 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 made it to my second hand i've had sex with more people than the times i've had than i've hugged <laughs> hugged my parents <laughs> brian you've gotten thousands of virtual hugs <laughs> I've had, no, it's true. It's so fucked up. I've had more sexual partners than hugs from my family. <laughs> oh man! Uh, yeah, fuck it. I'll take sexy hugs over family. There we go. Yeah. All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers, saying their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. It's just like all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. 
But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good and take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are originally good. I've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toxic, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.